now are following in the desert. Let's see what happens in the next chapter of Russo. Goldberg. What do you know? Bret Hart. How can I help you, man? Shut up! That's Bret Hart. I'm let you enjoy all this for yourself. Nobody hates this guy more than I do. You remember Montreal? Remember Survivor Series? You think I'll forget, huh? This guy's done more to screw with me, my family, my career than anybody. But you don't mind, Bill. You want to share with us? Why the hell? Drag his ass up here to close him. Hold on. Let me get a couple of shots. I got an idea. Yeah. I've waited a long time. Why don't you dig this hole a little deeper, brother? I can't believe Bret Hart's doing this to Mr. Russo. Oh, he's got a shovel. You hear that? I like it, bit. He's got a shot. Hey, 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 no! Yeah! Oh! He's not Goldberg out! careers? He just saved the man's you life! You like Dan's careers, Bill? So do I! I like Dan's careers, too! I guess the band is back together! All of them! Hello, and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. I am what's left of Rory McNamara. Back in the hot seat for the first time in seven months, I will leave you to speculate whether or not leg irons are involved as we look at WCW in August of two. Thousand. Two other main volumes for you this month, ECW with Mr. Lacey and Chris White will take you through WWF, SummerSlam and all of that. But WCW, August 2000, it is on this side of proceedings. Uh, Adam Joyce is along for the ride. Yeah, you know, I got it like that. <laughs> and done his research. And Eric, you could run, but you couldn't quite hide. Well, if I could figure out how to get this trunk open, I could get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, swish the padlock while I could. So then, let's dive in best we can. So it's been a while since I was at the controls for the time machine. Right, do I remember how to do this? Please forget, please forget, please forget. No, there you go. It never leaves you, for better or worse. And there is that beautiful sound taking us to August the 31st in the year 2000. Eric, you have some news headlines for us. Let's see what's been going on, Dan Saf. WCW, on the road to Mandalay. It is not looking rosy for Brad Siegel. WCW lost $7 million in July and speculators, well, speculate they could lose a whopping $79.2 million this year. Time Warner held meetings without Siegel being present and compiled a list of wrestlers and personnel they feel should be terminated. And there are some big names on there, too. Although at time of recording, nobody with a stature greater than Lenny Lenny Lane or El Dandy has got the boot. Sorry, Brett. Time Warner are especially itchy to get the company to at least inch in the right direction before the merger with AOL is finalised, currently scheduled to be sometime in October. A saviour might have arrived in the unlikely form of one Eric Bischoff, a company with which he has significant ties by the name of Mandalay Sports, which themselves are linked to SFX and inevitably Jason Hervey, have expressed interest in buying the company outright. Some sources say that Bischoff has a handshake agreement in place with Siegel, refurst refusal, if the company is ever sold. But we all know what handshake agreements aren't worth. More on this potentially fascinating story as we get it over the coming months. My blood boiling. Sorry. 
New Blood Rising. Yes, very easy to get those two mixed up. Oh, those poor, poor fans in Vancouver, British Columbia, finally treated to a WCW pay-per-view. And they get, in what is it must be said, quite the crowded field, a contender for worst pay-per-view of all the times. The biggest talking point coming out of it, a triple threat match between Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner and Bill Goldberg. When Goldberg walked out on a planned powerbomb spot, refusing to go along with the script. For the record, Booker T did successfully defend his WCW world title against Jeff Jarrett. But... Theme from Nash. Company suicide is not painless. Don't know to be proud of that one or not. Uh, music playing underneath me should explain that gag. But yes, on the final nitro of the month, Booker T's I, run. I hope you, I hope you keep it. Then I really do. Theme from Nash. <laughs> the sword of time will definitely pierce our skins. On the final nitro of the month, Booker T's run as champion came to an end at the hands of one Kevin Nash. Yes, we all know it was supposed to happen at Fall Brawl, but look who's in charge here. This sealed the formation of a new group, definitely not the new NWO, all right. The band seems to be doing the rounds as a possible name at the moment. Made up of Nash, Russo, Scott Steiner, Jeff Jarrett, and the natural-born thrillers, you may well ask. The timing of Nash's win is very suspicious, as we will also discuss in a while. Last call for Scott Hall. Until the next one. (laughs) Nash is, of course, mentioning Scott Hall on air at each and every opportunity, because that is what he does. But he really shouldn't. Siegel is balking at allowing Hall to return after his neck injury clears. But there is the very real possibility that if Winnie doesn't get ticket, sorry, if Nash doesn't get Hall back, that big sexy might bolt to the WWF, especially as the Hall and Nash lawsuit from four years ago has finally been settled. Out of court, naturally. Hall himself is said to be in, and this is a direct quote, great spirits. I see what he did there. I bet Jerry McDivitt's out of office reply is quite snarky. (laughs) Booker T, saving the drama for his colleagues. Your inbox is full. Yes, but <laughs> trashing you there, Eric. My headline too. Booker T saving the drama for his colleagues. A Booker was interviewed by the Charleston Post and Courier this month, and it is safe to say that he did not hold back. It's just like the temptations, he said. And yes, more on them later. Motown special today. It's not about one guy in the group. If the one guy doesn't want to get right, we replace your ass and get somebody else in that spot. That's what all of these guys need to realise. We have a lot of guys who feel like they're above that, but those are the guys who need to be weeded out. Let their contracts run out and get rid of them and build from there. I've been saying it for years. If they can't be weeded out, then we've got a problem and we're going to continue to have a problem. It's not going to go away. These guys are going to continue to make things rough on everybody else that's coming along in this business. When asked about the aforementioned rumours that Kevin Nash has threatened to go to the World Wrestling Federation, Booker responded, let him go. He's going to get comebacks on that one. You think he can go up there and run with those young guys? You think he could run all around the building with Triple H? Yes, that's the example he used. Like they do up there and take suplexes on the walkway. These guys aren't capable of doing that stuff anymore. These guys have nowhere to go. And if they keep working WCW like they can, WCW is stupid. And that's the bottom line. If they want to go, let them go. 
Peace, love and harmony may be in the next world indeed. Adam, I will come to you first on this. Say most of the stuff there, including the pay-per-view and the title change, we will discuss in due course. But I just want to get your opinions on the possibility, and it is only a possibility at this stage, that World Championship Wrestling could be sold and could be sold to ATM Eric himself. What are your thoughts? I'm just thinking, I don't know if they can do much much work with it right now. Um, I've got some figures I'm going to be throwing at you um, later on in the show that is actually going to show you exactly what sort of uh, creative shape uh, the WCW title scene is in. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, I don't know if Eric Bischoff is necessarily the right person uh, to save WCW. I mean, you know, this is the man that and granted, he turned it round for the better, but he, two years later, he then turned it round for the worse. So, yes. um, I mean, I we so you you've got the uh, has the merger gone through yet with AOL Time Warner? Do we know? Not I, as of yet. October is the mooted time, according to the documentation I have been party to. Right, because. Because right now, uh, WCW is is a loss for uh, the Turner organization. And, and that's with the, um, I, I'm under the impression that a lot of the main talent are, aren't actually signed to WCW. They're signed to Turner Broadcasting, meaning that is correct. If, even without some of the their main talent, they're on the books officially. They're still losing money. Um, and if a parent company who aren't necessarily that interested in keeping them on the air take one look at the books and see that that's that's not going to work out well for them so they they could really do with a new home with someone who has a vested interest in them and and regardless of what he's done for them in the past eric bischoff at least has an interest in keeping wcw running if for no other reason than um that it's basically his legacy um and at the minute, that legacy is he managed to make the hottest thing in wrestling and drive people away from it. Eric, we might be about, about to find out whether or not lightning doesn't strike twice is a truism or not. Spoiler, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't know. It might be too early to... I mean, we have to talk about it because it's a, a huge, huge, huge d- development uh, in the headlines this month, but it might be too early to assess because do we, we, I don't know what, his, what Bischoff's plans are. Uh, I, I don't know what his vision is. Um, I don't know who he's planning on entrusting with, you know, the, the operations. He's basically at this point admitted and demonstrated that he's not a creative uh, wrestling guy. So who's he going to bring in to do that? Um, I don't know. Can anything be worse than what we've got right now? So, I'm as I've said probably every episode, and this is this is the the cruel the cruelness of WCW right now. It's like I'll just say, like I've said almost every episode, I'm cautiously optimistic, uh, but I uh, on one hand, but on the other hand, I have no faith that WCW can can improve. So let's wait and see. Who knows? Yeah, I do wonder if this is just an opening gambit, you know, the old 
pawn to e4 kind of thing from Eric Bischoff. Say no official bid or anything remotely close to it has actually been laid down by Mandalay Sports or by anybody else at this point, as far as we know. But Siegel himself is in very, very hot water. The fact that Time Warner are holding meetings without him being present. Uh, A source has been quoted as saying that if Brad Siegel goes, then Vince Russo might as well move to the Bahamas. I'll just everybody think about that. It's why do I think that wouldn't stop him? (laughs) We've known that, but we've known that. I know I disagree because we've known that for months because Siegel went over uh, his predecessor's head, Bill Bush's head to hire Vince Russo back. So, I mean, he's that he's handcuffed to him because he Bill Bush was a respected Turner, like middle manager with a real bright future ahead of him. And this move completely undermined not only his career, but, uh, you know, an entire long term plan that had been proposed by uh, Bill Bush and Jerry Jarrett. And so, yeah, no, I'm not surprised by this at all. That's why Russo is still here, frankly. That's twice in as many months I've tried to stick up for Brad Siegel and you have slapped me down, Eric. Deservedly so, it must be said. It's just in my nature. But whenever you mention him. I should try and bleep his name out on these shows. Whenever you mention him, then my case falls apart very quickly. But yes, as Adam has alluded, the big one is going to be in October if the merger goes ahead. It has been said that Uncle Ted himself, if it does go ahead as currently laid out on paper, will have little more than a ceremonial role. I'm still not sure how true it is, but... Let's go with it. The WCW still exists as an entity because Uncle Ted is allowing it to at least some degree. If he is shunted in the background and goes off to the golf course and Jane to clap him on for four or five hours every Sunday, then World Championship Wrestling might be in even dire, uh, it's a word now, straits than we might think they are. So this one is a definite watch this space. I reckon when we come into the last show next month, we will have a lot more on this for you when the merger becomes very nearly a reality. So keep them peeled would be my advice on this one. But now let's hear from the one constant in World Championship Wrestling, Mr. Bleep himself. Hulk Hogan and Jeff Jarrett at Bash of the Beach and the match. Was that part of a script or was... Well, Tony, you know know we're doing this interview well because I said some things on Thunder I I couldn't say and I can't say them again. I know. But I will say this. um, I I like to be honest with the fans. I always speak my mind. You know that about me. But this is is an instance where I can't. Um, But there will come a time, there will come a place when I will tell the entire story of what happened at Bash at the Beach. Mm -hmm. Uh, But unfortunately, that can't be tonight. Talk to the lawyers, absolutely. Okay. You came here, it's it's been less than a year, but when I found out you were coming here from the World Wrestling Federation in September of last year, my first thought was, why would Vince Russo want to leave the WWF and come here? You had a lot of success there. Why did you come here? Well, Tony, there are a lot of reasons, but I, I think the main reason was because it was a great, great challenge. I mean, in the WWF, I was writing the television. The ratings was six, nine, seven, and, and at that point, I felt that the WWF had really peaked. And if you look back at the WWF now, in the last ten months, they've been exactly where they were when I left. Um, I, I looked at WCW as a great challenge, and what I saw here was. I I saw a whole breed of a new blood that was stuck somewhere in the middle because for whatever reason they couldn't break that establishment. Um, This this talent couldn't break through. 
um, I strongly felt that if I were able to help them get through and to help them break the politics, um, that WCW could give WWF a run. And, you know, to this day, I believe that. You, know, you said for whatever reason, but you and I both know what that reason is. And it's that same reason that after three months here of taking our TV and turn it in a, a direction that you wanted to see it go in, that you were on the outside once again. How did that make you well, feel? Well, Tony, it's, it's all about politics. And, and again, it, there was an establishment in WCW. Um, you know, the, the, there was a guard that didn't want to let the hungry lions through. I mean, let's face it, you know it, I know it. And it wasn't benefiting WCW. What it was doing was it was benefiting the individual individuals. Well, um, you know, I, I think we've eliminated a lot of those individuals, and I think now you're finally starting to see the new blood of WCW come through, working their asses off in the ring, and finally WCW is getting to a place that it needs to be. Did you feel it would be this tough, uh, breaking through the establishment? No, I, I honestly didn't, Tony. I mean, you know, l let's face it, you know, three months, uh, my first time here, I take the rating from a 2-8 to a 3-4 right. in three months. 3-4 yeah. was the last show I did. Next thing I know, you know, I I'm home watching uh, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters with my daughter. Right. It blew my mind. Right. But again, it's the wrestling business. It's politics. But but for for that new blood and for those hungry lions, you know, I made a promise to them. And, and the promise was that I was going to see through it that the right thing was done. You know, for the longest time here when I was in the WWF, it, it was a joke how WCW was an ATM machine. There were high-priced players who, who, who didn't perform in the ring, who went through the motions and collected their paycheck laughing all the way to the bank. That wasn't going to get WCW anywhere, and it didn't get WCW anywhere. Where it was getting WCW was deeper and deeper and deeper into a hole. Um, you know, now... With Booker T as the champion and, and, and guys like Booker leading the way, WCW, after 10 months of me being on this job, is finally in a place that it needs to be. But it hasn't been an easy 10 months for you. You came back after, after three months, and then you're on the outside. April 10th, you come back, and you form the new blood, and we're back on the direction that you want to be. But you've had to be involved more than just behind the scenes. You've been involved physically in many angles. Well, Tony, you know, again, I, I, I was so bitter with what right. happened and sitting home for the three months. When I came back to WCW, I came back with a vengeance. And I came back really willing to do anything I possibly could do to help this company. If it meant, you know, climbing to the top of a steel cage with Ric Flair, then, then so be it. You know, I, I did what I had to do. And, uh, you know, as I said, it's not about me. It's right. about we. And if, if, if me being in front of the camera was going to help this company, you know, I had no problem with that. You told me uh, when you came back or after you made your run and after you had the match against Ric Flair that you would never be in front of the camera again. You, well, you still Tony, feel that yeah, way? I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be on TV. You know, I'm right. not one of the boys. I, I, like, I like working with the boys and making them the best they can be. But the reality is I know Ric Flair has a receipt with my name on it. And, uh, you know, one thing, and again, a work or shoot, I'm, okay. I'm shooting with you. And this is the first time I've ever said this, and I, and I truly mean this. All right. Um, you know, coming from Long Island, you know I'm a New Yorker. Yes, I've got my eye on Starcade, which is in December at the Nassau Coliseum, my backyard. As a matter of fact, my radio show started at the really? Nassau Coliseum almost about 10 years ago. Um, I would love nothing better, Tony, than in New York, Long Island, my backyard, than to get John Rocker in the middle of that ring at the Nassau Coliseum for Starcade. And you know what, whether Rocker wants to work or shoot, I really don't care. Wow. But for every New Yorker out there, I'd love to kick his ass. You're serious about this, uh, aren't you? I'm dead serious about that.
So what you have heard there is the first 70% or so of a sit-down interview carried out by Vince Russo with Tony Schiavone on the first edition of Nitro that aired this month. Now, it was originally scheduled, because we talked about it last month, to air on the first Thunder, but it was pulled at the very last second, to the point where I messaged my guests here today, asking them what happened to the Russo interview. I wasn't disappointed. I was just a little bit surprised. It turned out that some of the language he used when he was talking about the old guard was a bit much for a lot of people in World Championship Wrestling high brass. Because the Bash at the Beach finish, which he touched on without really touching on, as you will have heard there, is subject to a bona fide lawsuit, character defamation against Mr. Terry Belaya. Who could imagine or forfend such a thing? Just got to hope they don't listen to this show. Hey, so Russo there, the second time around, was very tight lipped. But he is, you know, he is what he is. And he was talking about what he has done to turn the company around. At every turn mentioning that the WWF is still ahead in the ratings. That might be true, but why on earth are you stating it? And then, Eric, I'm going to come to you on this one first. He then, the Starcade at Nassau Coliseum. Okay, it's going to be at the MCI Centre, but whatever. We know the world he lives in. At Nassau Coliseum, Starcade, he wants to challenge John Rocker, be it in a work or shoot. And yes, of course, he said those words on air on television. Eric, two questions for you. I'm sure you know what the first one is. Help a brother out. And secondly, Russo is Vince Russo. He always has been Vince Russo. But why does he have to be Vince Russo on television? John Rocker is or was uh, pending uh, a Major League Baseball uh, pitcher uh, for the Atlanta Braves, most infamously. Uh, he was a below-average starting pitcher, and he became kind of a mediocre-to-average relief pitcher. But that's not why he's known. He's known for statements published in Sports Illustrated magazine on December 27, 1999, in follow-up to an Atlanta Braves uh, New York Mets uh, baseball series, and some questions as to whether he would live in New York City. And he said, and I'm reading directly from Sports Illustrated, I'd retire first. It's the most hectic, nerve-wracking city. Imagine having to take the 7 train to the ballpark, looking like you're riding through Beirut, next to some kid with purple hair, next to some queer with AIDS, right next to some dude who just got out of jail for the fourth time, right next to some 20-year-old mom with four kids. It's depressing. The biggest thing I don't like about New York are the foreigners. You can walk an entire block in Times Square and not hear anybody speaking English. Asians and Koreans and Vietnamese and Indians and Russians and Spanish people and everything up there. How the hell did they get into this country? That's who Vince Russo wants to shine a, a big light of publicity on, right? <laughs> yeah, this is. Oh, if it wasn't making sense before, it really is now. Oh my goodness me. So for those comments, he was suspended uh, for some uh, duration uh, for the following the the 2000 season. Uh, which is active at the time of recording. I didn't bother to look to see if he's come back. I can't fucking imagine anybody would have him after that. I had to ask, didn't I? So that's why So that's why Bubba Ray got such hate to mentioning his name in New York City at the Royal Rumble. I did wonder. Yes. For anybody interested in wondering the types Vince Russo wants to bring into uh, boost ratings. Uh, God. 
It's safe to say Mr. Russo does himself few favours, doesn't it? What did you think about the rest of the interview? We will save the New Blood Rising discussion for a little while, but the normal flim-flam and self-aggrandizement, not to lead you in any particular direction, of course. It's just, it can never get lower, or it can never get lowest. It's always going to get lower. And this was just a continuation of the absolute destruction of whatever Russo's vision of professional wrestling (laughs) is. I had... because I'm not a heathen, I still watch Raw and record Nitro. Because like, <laughs> why would anybody do anything differently? Oh, I did uh, because want that. They, they, because <laughs> they overlap here in the states, uh, as everybody knows. Yes. Um, it used to it used to be a war. Um, and so yeah, and I'm usually working or whatever. So I will you know catch Nitro throughout the week. And I had to pause this and come back to it about four times before I could really get through it because it was just the most revolting thing I've ever seen on wrestling television. And I say that every month, and next month I'll say something, and it will be true then. It most certainly will. Adam, did Mr. Russo convince you in those five minutes? Um, he might have convinced you of something. but <laughs> Yeah, hang up the call. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he, he certainly said a lot in those five minutes. Um, I don't know whether any of it was of any uh, anything positive. Um, one thing he spoke of was he planned had planned out finish to the triple threat, which we, I know we're going to talk about later. But the fact that on the wrestling show he is talking about a finish to an upcoming wrestling match and how that is not going to now, it's not going to be for the benefit of a particular person, but it's going to be for the benefit of the company. I'm just going to throw this out there now and say uh, the casual wrestling fan, namely the people who are going to get, whose, whose viewings are going to get you the ratings you need to win a ratings war, are not interested in whether it's good for the company or not. They just want a good match or, an, or at least a, a match which has a winner that they want to they have some emotional investment in. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know how anyone can watch an interview like this with Russo and think, oh yeah, this is the guy I want running my wrestling company. I mean, when it's like, if you watch something like Buffy the Vampire, there's never like a spot in, there's never like, five minutes in the middle where Joss Whedon is, is sitting down and explaining how, you know, Spike is going to, is going to have a great scene upcoming. That's going to really change the nature of the show because, you know, it, it just doesn't fit in that world. It kind of takes you out of it just a little bit, but Mr. Russo just doesn't seem to have somehow correlated the two things. He, he thinks he's writing a TV show, but then he's also writing the behind-the-scenes special that, you know, is usually, like, featured as an extra on the VHS. Um, and he hasn't sort of figured out that, you know, there's a reason it's featured as an extra, you know, like, uh, and never actually put in with the actual program. Because, you know, if, if someone's talking about what's happening outside of the program, it does kind of take you out of the program. Uh, um, I I want to say I'm intrigued to know what exactly what he said on that Thunder interview, um, but 
I then it just means I have to listen to him talk talk again and you know the more the more I listen to him the more I think that that's the hearing him again is like the last thing I want to do it's not even a case of but I'd be quite happy to watch him get his ass kicked so on tv it's just a case of no I just want him off my tv he's got go away he's got go home heat but he just doesn't seem go to be home and never come in. back yeah, I mean, well, if you will. I mean, he's gone home what two, three times in the yeah. ten months he's been there, and he's 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 like a fucking boomerang. You know, it's like a boomerang that sort of cracks you in the back of the head, so because you weren't expecting it to come back this time. Boomerang Russo sounds like a superstar's jobber. <laughs> Uh, I wonder what his finisher would be. Um, not that he'd ever get a chance to use it. I can actually see it now, Eric. I can see it now with the yellow writing. Oh, what have you done to me? Um, okay. Russo taking a two-minute kick in at the hands of Hercules. I think I could go for. Let's hope I dream that tonight. Uh, Adam, you're talking there about you don't want to hear Vince Russo ever again. Uh, probably you don't want to listen back to this show when it goes out. I've got at least 15 minutes of Russo talking I, I, I tried to think of a better word it's just words russo words that you will hear audio of during the course of this show so fast forward button button at the ready <laughs> yes I, I it's so easy to bury the guy and let's face it it's easy for a good reason things are easy because they're guys. easy <laughs> much in the way that goldberg did and we'll get to that later but um i i, I just don't want it to be a complete pile on fest, but he makes it so fucking difficult to be anything but that. Apparently the mid card are huge Russo fans. Morale has never been better to quote from the torch because he at least gives them things to do. You can, and probably should debate and discuss what some of those things are. We will, when we get to the pay-per-view in a second, but they are being used. Well, it's not, on. this goes back to something I said a couple of years ago. Indeed, I was going to bring you in on this. Go ahead. You, I mean, I can understand why the the lower card guys are um, enjoy, you know, are happy to have something to do. But there are, but there's a reason that traditionally in wrestling, the lower card guys never had much to do. That's because they're lower card guys. A lot of the time, their job is just to come in for the stars to beat them up. That it's it sounds quite harsh, but that's how you make stars. You have people cut. You have people who you want to be a star come in and beat people up, build them up. And so people want to see this star face off against all the, the other star who's been doing the similar thing, but on the other side of the face heel spectrum. It's when you when you give everyone an angle, you water down the point of everyone having an angle. It's the same as how. If everyone in your territory is six foot five, you don't have any giants. Or if everyone in your territory has a five star match and a five star match is just another match, it's exactly the same with storylines and angles. If everyone's having a storyline, then you defeat the point of giving people a storyline because you give people storylines and angles because you want to push those people. You can't push everyone because it's the same theory of you can't make everyone a main event because if everyone's a main eventer, then everyone's the same. 
if everyone's the same, then no one's special. And if no one's special, then who wants to pay to see anyone that's not special? I think that's a great way of putting it. Now, there's a reason that I don't want to see Crowbar as the lovelorn type. When it's, it's a show, I, Crowbar and Daphne, I actually really like as a as a yeah. pairing. In fact, don't tell Lacey. Even, even since even when they lost David Flair, <laughs> I didn't lose any interest in them, which sort of shows how much input Flair had in my, in my interest in the team. But yeah, I, this the they. I'd just be happy with Crowbar just on, on the undercard, putting on some good matches. And, you know, maybe in the future, actually having a decent story. Because I'm not interested in, in a romance storyline. Because at the end of the day, romance storylines aren't what builds interest in a wrestling product. It's supposed to be, uh, it's a quasi-sport. It's supposed to be treated like a sport. I don't watch, um, I, I mean, I don't watch, um, Premier League anyway but if I watch the Premier League it's not the wives and girlfriends that would have my interest it's what's happening on the pitch so that means we Ooh. so that means we can eliminate you from our inquiries as to who was the guy in a rain hat who was crying when Liz and Savage hooked it back up at Wrestlemania 7 that was definitely not you then Adam look <laughs> just like you but, well, Okay. The glasses didn't so fool you, me. You've, pulled, you've, you've, made, you've made a good point there, but to be fair, you're, you also made the point using one of the biggest stars they had at the time, which <laughs> brings me back to the point of, you know, the way you create stars is by making people special. And Randy Savage was someone pretty fucking special, especially in 1991. I doubt we're going to be talking about Crowbar and Daphne in 2009. <laughs> Me and, Lacey, me and Lacey might be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that poor, poor man. But, but back to Vinnie Rue, because we have to be. Like, it's not that I can't find worth in anything. I just can't find worth in enough. It's the main events where he stands or falls. And boy, does he ever topple over. He doesn't think he does. But he bloody does. And unless our boy Brad finally does... You know, decides to make good the faith that I've erroneously put in him over the last couple of months and have a word in Russo's ear, nothing is going to change. And you have alluded to New Blood Rising there, and boy, oh boy, are we going to be returning to this interview a bit later on. So, New Blood Rising, Vancouver, British Columbia. Eric, let's have some results. Big screen. <laughs> I'm going to add in the arena stuff because I, I want to. Um so this was the uh, Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver, British Columbia, 17,000 capacity thereabouts for concerts and basketball. Uh, at the time of recording, 6,614 announced attendance based on recent w- WCW uh, percentages. We're probably looking at about 4,500 paid at a 17,000 seats. All right, uh, to the results. Uh, to open in a ladder match uh, for a gold record, and I believe a recording contract, but rules don't matter anymore. Uh, three count, that's Courageous Moore and Helms. With Tank Abbott defeated the Young Dragons, that's Hayashi, Jamison, and Yun Yang. Uh, Ernest Miller then defeated the Great Muda, and the single tear drops from Chris Lacey's left uh, tear duct. Uh, Buff Bagwell defeated Canyon in a Judy Bug- uh, Bagwell on a forklift match. I need to slow down because these are long uh chronic then uh defeated the perfect event 
uh, O'Hare and Jindrak and the Misfits in Action represented by General Rection and Corporal Cajun. Uh, Chronic winning a four corners match for the WCW World Tag Team Championship with Disco, Tigress, Rey Mysterio Jr. and Juventud Guerrera as special guest referees. And that barely describes it. Uh, Kidman defeated Shane Douglas in a strap match. Major Guns defeated Miss Hancock in some semblance of a rip off your clothes in a mud bath abortion. Uh, Sting then defeated the Demon, uh, though Blinken, you'll miss it. Uh, Lance Storm then defeated Mike Awesome uh, to retain the WCW United States uh, Championship in a Canadian rules match. More on that later. Uh, the Dark Carnival, that's Vampiro and the Great Muda, then defeated Chronic. Yes, two Chronic matches uh, to win the WCW World Tag Team Championship. Uh, Kevin Nash then defeated Scott Steiner, and for a flimmering, uh, for a, for a glimmering, flimmering moment, Goldberg in a triple threat match. More on that later. And Booker T defeated Jeff Jarrett to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. Unbelievable. Unbelievable indeed. When two chronic matches ends up being buried <laughs> in the description of all of that, you know you've got problems. Adam, your opening thoughts, if thoughts is anywhere even close to the right word, on New Blood Rising 2000. Uh, I, th- I think it says a lot in the couple of weeks leading up to New Blood Rising because, you know, the New Blood is not really a thing anymore. They had to say, oh, yeah, it's not about that New Blood. It's just, you know, an example of. Uh, of all the new faces in WCW finally getting their chance, which you could argue, I suppose, happened. But um, but yeah, the fact that this had a confusing name might actually be the most interesting part of the whole of the whole pay per view. Um, I'll, I'll go into yeah you know, when we go cover each match. I'll go into why. I didn't care for a lot of this pay-per-view. And yeah, go on. I'm, I'm just getting some weird feedback. Oh, okay. Um, my microphone might be a bit high. Yeah, but no, it's, it's, it's gone now. So. Okay, I just want to get, get the timestamp quickly. Uh, Eric, as if your descriptions of the matches weren't enough. Yeah, hard to be biased with those. I apologize. Um, yeah, not since the volcano Mount St. Helens exploded in 1980 has this much toxic debris been spewing over the Pacific Northwest and Southwest Canada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, so I will give my full thoughts as we go. But just to say then, Eric, you've answered my question. But for the sake of completeness, uh, when the show began, Tony told us that fans have come from Seattle and Portland to be in attendance. You know, you didn't fancy making the... The hop north. <laughs> I'm not going to go through customs to watch WCW. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Being held at the board would be the biggest favour you could possibly have done to you. Yes. Uh, New Blood Rising. Um, be ready for a record score from me. That really isn't a spoiler, even if you're listening to the show for the first time. Hold on. I need to get some certain ECW notes out because I think we have <laughs> uh, I feel I should anyway, listen to that in preparation for this show, November to remember 98. It's we're going to be number crunching in in a little while's time but let's do the necessary it's what we're here for so new blood rising from indeed vancouver british columbia we hear from some fans backstage i feel like this always happens when pay-per-views come to canada and we only get their impressions on the triple threat match which even at this stage seems somewhat ominous even before our first competitors have come to the ring 
Mark Madden drops a shoot interview, and that really is somewhat ominous. Three count do make it down, and they do the usual. I've got to say that Tank Abbott really seems to be enjoying himself doing this shtick, far more than Shannon Moore appears to anyway. Young Dragons cut them off quickly, so away we go. In a double ladder match, three counts gold record and recording contract hang from the rafters, remember that. A big three count sucks Chanters, Helms and Jamie kick us off. They do some basic but nice mat stuff before the count bail for the ladders. There are, of course, more than one. Yang actually gets one first, though, but Moore cuts him off before he can climb. They tease a power bomb into the now prone ladder, but instead Moore gets backdropped into it. Everyone else is just scrapping outside, by the way, until Yang gets crushed on the ladder. Helms now power bombs Jamie and then combines with Shannon to sling him on top of the ladder. All dragons also end up there and Shannon gets an assisted splash onto them. That was nice work. Helms climbs but gets stopped easily as each team then check the decapitation device on each other. Good timing, but a little too cute. Yang has a pop but ends up neck first on the ropes. Then Jamie climbs despite being nowhere near the centre of the ring. So, of course, he body presses onto everybody else down on the floor. Yang gets close to the gold record, but proverbial no cigar. Then Moore hits a sort of neck breaker onto Yang from very high up. Kaz climbs, but Evan catches him into a big suplex, also from nosebleed territory. Tony, of course, drops a high spot to describe the action. <laughs> it all gets a little sloppy for a bit, and Tony... I love you, man, but sadistical is not a word. As both crews just exchange moves of not much direction. A spine buster onto the ladder for Kaz helps get the crowd back, and some kind of teeter-totter spot, and Shannon leaps over the rope, leading the ladder to catch Jamie in the face. Then the camera nearly misses an assign moonsault by Kaz. Then a double splash off the top of one of the two ladders swing things for the dragons, and then they grab the gold record. Tank very easily swipes it off them, and the match is still going on. Leg drop off the top rope by Jamie to Evan. That looked like it both missed and was painful. That's not the combination you want. And now Shannon tries to get the contract, but Jamie is there to powerbomb him down again rather awkwardly. Kaz and Helms then both run up a ladder each. Then Tank knocks them both down. OK. He then helps Evan to climb and just take the contract. Um, yeah. Adam, your thoughts on this opener? Wonky rules very much included. Um, it's it's interesting. Here we have a ladder match featuring six people where they've tried to sort of change it up a little bit. On the other channel this month, they had a pay-per-view which featured a ladder match with six people where they tried to change it up a bit. And and I think I know which side got shortchanged, and sadly, it's it's the side that I ended up watching. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Tell us every month, yeah. So, so to start off, does am I am I crazy in thinking that there is a fifty-fifty chance of this ladder match being out when in a draw, which kind of defeats the point of it being a ladder match? Did I have I read into that right, or am I looking at I that wrong? I would have thought that could happen given what was supposedly hanging above the ring. Yes. Yeah, and the okay. importance of both articles, supposedly. Yeah, okay, all right. Just just making sure I was I I hadn't sort of missed out on something there. Um crowd really weren't feeling three count, especially at the start of the show, were they? Um in fact they were so dull during that little dance session at the start, I actually paid more attention to the gaps in the crowd. I think it looked I I what is do we know the capacity of the 
the arena because it looked like about one in every three seats was empty. That's exactly right. 17,000 capacity, 6,600 announced. Probably more Boom. like 4,500. Yeah. No, it's, so, so, yeah, I got it right there. Then. Yeah. Um, but I found it interesting. The first minute or so, they tried re- wrestling under tag rules until everyone just jumped off the apron and ran for the ladders. Um, uh, that seemed just really weird after um, watching like the WrestleMania ladder match. They didn't even... Tr- Try that there, and it's a case of well, surely. Um, Let's see what interesting notes have I got down here. One one thing that really got me, and it it's a running theme throughout this whole show. Um, It's mostly Madden, but I'm not going to say the others weren't doing it. And it's not just the announcers; even Nash did at one point where they stop where they're dropping insider terms. why about match four? That really started to grate on all me. over um, the all over the uh, show. Yeah, because I mean, Madden started referring to high spots towards the end of this, and it's like saying, so well, just and, Tony who said that. You know, even he is not for this. I'm afraid that yes, absolutely. Yes, Tony right, right. said that. I actually have what the hell, Tony, ne- <laughs> written next to that in my notes. Um, uh, I've got also the camera missed uh, I think it was Kaz Hayoshi hitting an Asai moonsault um, yep. somehow the camera was you saw him take off and then just cut completely away from, from the outside um, so I noticed how Tank sort of bumped around with the record but managed to keep the record in pristine condition that was sheer professionalism on the part of uh, Tank Abbott there um, <laughs> of course <laughs> Uh, I actually, I I think I'm enjoying Tank in this role. You know, they've they've killed all his credibility. What with uh, the Arquette loss a couple of months ago, so him doing this is just it's like they're trying to get something out of him. Um, he's he, on paper he's completely miscast, but he he seems to at least have have got it working for himself. Which um, yeah. It, you you got to give the guy that. I'm not a particular fan of him, but in in this role, he actually he's doing like you know how in some films Al Pacino does. He just really chews the scenery, and that just sort of makes makes the role. It's like it, you could play this straight, but you know your scenery chewing is just much more entertaining that way. Um, uh, seeing what seeing what other notes I've got. I mean, like I said, this essentially, I know SummerSlam wasn't this night. It was a few weeks later, but this is essentially being, seems to be put here as as a direct opposition to the TLC match. And I really feel they've gone the wrong way about it because they've created a stipulation, which, like we discussed just now, it seems that could end in a draw, which kind of d- defeats the point of a ladder match. The whole point of a ladder match is only one person can win. They did have some, a couple of good spots in there, but the crowd were only into the really big ones from what I noticed. Um, and, yeah, it, it's just... I don't know. So these, uh, there, there are some talented guys in, in these six, but there is, but some of the spots just come across as just spots thrown in there for the sake of it and it's just 
really the match was fine for for a stunt show but it just i don't know i just couldn't get into it i think don't think it helped the stupid stipulation but there were some fun spots but it just it really didn't draw me in at all and i i tried i tried giving it a couple of watches and yeah my my attention was always diverted to stuff that was happening out of the ring i've got only about two notes of praise and stuff actually happening in the ring the rest of it is either tank abbott the camera or the crowd and i've got like a whole page worth which is um so yeah they the guys tried but i don't know the whole the whole thing was just yeah what have we got eric you know i put these guys out there have them do a match get the crowd going fine but like would this have been any different if we just didn't have any of the stipulations so like i'm thinking of the odd mid 96 97 wcw pay-per-view that would throw out four six of the luchadors or the cruiserweights and just have a eight to ten minute you know psychology list lucha style match just to kind of pump some blood into the crowd or whatever like that this could have been that no problem you put these guys out there in a match it doesn't have any appreciable rules they're doing shit to their body that should be safe for main event stuff stuff that's really gonna help pop a house or draw a number and they're just out there doing stuff that is is dangerous and shortens careers for no particular reason for no particular goal um no no harm in putting these guys out there giving them eight to ten minutes six-man match um strip away all the extra stuff and it functions the same so all this extra shit was completely meaningless but there has to be extra shit because everybody's got to have extra shit attached to them bro yeah god forbid anybody get over by wrestling this is for a gold record and a recording contract you know the young dragons don't want the three count to record any more records you know how important that is to them that's character motivation or are none of these guys being paid to wrestle why do they all need a stipulation that will bring them payment outside of their wrestling contract? Like, see, it's are these guys all working working for free? I don't understand. <laughs> Why not the winner's purse? Well, um, you know, Gorilla was right. It worked for Duke the Drum- Dumpster Drosy and T.L. Hopper and Goon <laughs> and Boomerang <laughs> Russo. Let's, uh, let, let's press on. Uh, it was a fun spot fest but it has perhaps through no real fault of its own it's been dwarfed completely by something you will hear about on another show released under the podcast banner hopefully not too long after you hear this one it was fine they tried the spots were there it wasn't a match it really was we've had arguments on this show before as to what constitutes a spot fest versus (laughs) a match with spots this was i'm afraid very much the former The animals across the cat backstage. They want to be special referees for the four-way tag team match later. Yes, all of them. And now he is out for his match versus Muta. The cat is going to whip his great ass. He's probably proud of that one. He shouldn't be. Muta versus the cat. Oh, Lacey, not a good show for you, my friend. Ten <laughs> punches in the corner right off the bat and some voguing, but Muta is up. Armbringer goes on and the cat is worked down to the mat. How about that? 
Yeah, shut up, you Thomas. Kicks in the corner from Muta, but Kath is up for thrust kicks into the bread basket, and there's full arm drag and twist. Very little going on despite that, and here comes Tigris, and with her comes a We Want Puppies champ, sadly. Muta gets slung outside, and now Kat chokes him with a cable. Shots to the guardrail. This is a WCW show, after all. And now we hop back in, lateral press for two. Uppercut with a dance by the cat, but then he gets caught and taken down with an always good dragon screw leg whip. Into an ankle lock, but Cat makes it to the ropes. Slammed by Muta, but he misses the moonsault. Cat whiffs on a kick, and now Tigris is up top. Muta hits Cat with the green mist, but Tigris then takes him out with a chair outside of the referee's view. But he is out at two. Boo-hoo. Tons of kicks by the Cat just to set up the feliner, which of course is a kick. And Muta is kept down for the three. Thanks for coming, Keji. Go on, Eric. That's what, what we'll give Lacey a chance to try to regain his bearings, but he's he's been put <laughs> through the rigor already in this show. Daphne goes off with a crowbar lookalike, and his boy Muta jobs in seven minutes to Ernest Miller. Uh, no wonder I'm persuaded to be on this one. <laughs> Gary Hart would never have let this happen. <laughs> <laughs> Always to be relied on for the Gary Hart references on these shows, Mr. Landstrom. Keep them coming. <laughs> yeah, I don't seek them out; they just tend to come up. Um. Yeah, I, uh, okay, here's the thing, bro. Yeah, you're going to lose to Ernest Miller, sure, but later on you're going to win the tag team titles <laughs> against Chronic, our biggest, baddest motherfuckers on the roster. And it's at that point where Gary Hart just loads up the link and lights up a cigar and says, Fritz, I'm coming back, and I've got Muda with me. But unfortunately, <laughs> that option is not available here. So we have the great Muda. Um, doing the J-O-B to Ernest Miller. And this just demonstrates that WCW has no idea who they have or where to put them. Uh, because the great Muda is still an incredible wrestler. And I have no doubt that in the current professional wrestling climate, there is a spot at, near the top of the card for a guy like the great Muda, even if it's just for a short run. But, but we can say sayonara to that possibility. Oh, can we ever? Adam, please tell me you don't have a page worth of notes for this one. <laughs> no, actually, most of my notes are botches that Moods are made during this match. I'm not saying he couldn't give less of a fuck about this match, but the amount of times I've written, did he really just do that? He, some of the he, some of the feeds that he gave the cat well he was just like oh i'm in the wrong spot here let me sidestep turn around right i'm ready now but it's if he was some guy in the training if he was some guy in a training school i'd be like okay he needs to go back for training but as he's one of the greatest names that's come out of japan that's the case of he's left all his enthusiasm in the in the dressing room and of course he has he's doing a job for ernest the cat miller i mean i could to be fair, anyone on this show who, who has no enthusiasm, I could understand as they're on this show. But yeah, um, I've no, I've got a note that says uh, Tigress got a bigger reaction from one of the worst chair spots I've ever seen in my life than pretty much anything else in this in this match. But then again, when you've got Muta selling the way he was selling, I'm not surprised. Um, although, to be fair, um, I've noted that 
the cat went for an elbow drop. He moved and then Muta hit the elbow drop properly. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that's the best way I can end this this bit because that is the most positive note I have in front of me. Right. I know a lot of people like the cat in his commissioner role. And if you twisted my arm, if you were Muta indeed, then I could probably go along and agree with you. I talked about this last month. I don't think he's necessarily cut out for it. He gives it a decent enough fist, as so many people do, as we talked earlier. Given roles that aren't suited to them, they try and make the best of them. But when you're flying the great Muta halfway around the world, and we haven't seen him for years and years. Now, Lacey's excitement, I had a feeling he was getting ahead of himself last month and sadly i take no pleasure in this i have been proved right he has a two-minute match with sting on a nitro shortly after this in which their history is not mentioned at all (laughs) history's for losers bro but yeah the great mood to jobbing to ernest the cat miller and the sop he gets a bit later in the show doesn't even come close to softening the blow another rhyme You've got to, you take the entertainment where you can. Uh, Buff is backstage looking for his mother. And by the end of this show, I was very much looking for my mother as well. Uh, Canyon has found her, though. That's Buff's mum, not mine. I hope. And he has, a t- he has her <laughs> attached to the forklift truck he is driving. At least he has had the good sense to wear a helmet. Yes, this is where I am. She gets hoisted high on the forklift as the commentators remind us that if Canyon wins, then Judy becomes his Kimberly. As if him telling us there isn't a pole that could hold big fat battle axe is a thing as well. So the match is officially a Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. Oh, gee, that's original. So Buff runs to the ring and here we go for our Judy back on. I'm not fucking saying that again. Bagwell does at least bring the fire and we get some very quick into the crowd brawling. The bell rings when they hit the ring proper and there's an early neck breaker from Bagwell. They grapple near the buckles and seem to lose their place, which is the last thing we need. <laughs> Canyon with us. <laughs> My place is in front of the TV. But two He's a world-class worker, bro. <laughs> Canyon with a sort of flat liner tries to get us back on track. Or at least as back on track as you can get in a match where an elderly lady who happens to be the mother of one of the combatants is lifted onto a forklift truck because the other guy couldn't find a pole when she was originally meant to be on a pole. And if the other guy wins, the elderly lady who happens to be the mother of one of the combatants ends up being the valet of the other guy because the other guy is doing a takeoff of another guy who used to have a valet. Turnbuckle pad comes off and then Canyon hits a peach of an Alabama slam into a sit-out powerbomb. Cobra clutch as buff starts to fade and he really is not the only one. It's on for an inordinate amount of time before the inevitable recovery at two, but he gets cut off with a swinging neckbreaker, and yes, I put the swinging in capitals. It was a good one. He goes for the cutter, but Buff shoves him off into the exposed buckle, but only two. Off the ropes, and now he does get it off, but Buff is out at two. Familiar music strikes up, and it's David Arquette back for more. He hits Buff with the helmet. Okay, I take that praise back now, but again, Buff won't stay down for three. He tries again, but Buff ducks and is able to go to work on both of them, including a double blockbuster. Fair dues, he got the timing bang on with that one. He covers Canyon and gets the win, and I have to say I'm pleasantly surprised by that booking decision. I am not surprised by Canyon then turning on Arquette with a cutter afterwards, although it did last 50 minutes without anyone turning on this show. Adam. Um, so we had David Arquette run in, um, which... I'm not saying it disrupted the flow of the match, but David Arquette is using Paige's entrance music, which is also Canyon's entrance music. And it happened after a near fall. So it sounded like Kurt Canyon had won the match till you saw um, 
the lowest drawing champion of all time running to the ring. Um, I'm not saying it was not well thought out, but it, it did kind of put a chink in uh, what was already incredibly damaged goods. Uh, okay, I'm, maybe I'm missing something, but isn't the point of an something being on the pole that you have to climb the pole to get what is on the pole? Yes, but I'm rather glad they didn't see that through to its conclusion here. Oh, that's that's fair. It's just you know I was kind of. But yes, you are correct. Halfway, you are correct. When halfway through, they suddenly started going for pinfalls. I'm like, I think they've missed the point of the match. Um, then again, I I've struggled with this whole thing anyway. I I think we might have discussed it um, about two years ago when uh, Judy Bagwell came up previously, but I don't see what they're trying to achieve with with Judy Bagwell and Buff Bagwell. It's, you know, you've got Buff, who's like, you know, supposed to be this ladies guy, you know, he's, he's good looking, he's in terrific shape, you know, he's confident, all the women love him. And, you know, what, what better way to round out that gimmick than pairing him with his elderly mother? That, that just seems like... You know, they, that just seems a bit self-sabotage in my book, but maybe I'm looking at it with, you know, a degree of logic. Um, well, don't do that. <laughs> That'll come back to bite no, you. Not, <laughs> <laughs> you may be right there. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into it here, but one of my least favourite spots in wrestling is the tame punch in the corner. It's There's about four different points in that, that stupid spot that I think, exposes a business and is ridiculous and here they actually had the best counter ever you know after about four the other guy low blowed him and it was like well of course you would you're not just going to sit there and let a guy punch you in the face 10 times um yeah um yeah, this is a the whole thing is ridiculous this i mean okay i'm i'm kind of glad that Buff one just because it means that Bagwell isn't on TV. Not that either of these two were on TV after this anyway, which um, I know there were reasons for Canyon not being on TV, but, you know, it, it kind of, you know, it kind of kills the whole premise of, ha- of having, you know, a, a match with a build if you're not going to follow up on it. Um, although, with Canyon trying to be a heel and I'm finding his Canyon cutting people quite funny. And I think a lot of people are, I think that is going to turn in face, which if they're doing this so they can bring page back and have a match between the two, I think that is going to hamper the whole thing. But it's a shame because Canyon is really doing this role a great deal of justice. It's just a shame that this match had to, come about because of it it there's no again uh, the logic is kind of is coming back to bite me i i don't get why bagwell why judy bagwell is is being is constantly cropping up in wcw i mean it only i mean it may only be the two times but it's one of those things so that's two times too many at least um these two could have a much better match. And Bagwell is not the best in the ring, but 
he's confident enough that against someone like Canyon, he could have a good match. And this match was would have been fine had not been for ridiculous stipulation. But that, but the trouble is, that's all people are going to remember it for the ridiculous stipulation. As as fun as it was seeing Arquette Canyon cut at the end it was just ridiculously overbooked premise um with just more ridiculous added in on top of it and sadly that's not the only match on this show that i'm probably going to say that about it's all um, about getting people talking bro nobody yeah, wants to see undertaker be kane the 50 he's actually said this in a, in a wcw live interview nobody's talking about undertaker kane and that six-man tag match on raw but they're talking about goldberg or they're talking about judy bagwell on a part it's all it is for him it's just a case of don't read it weigh it then when he looks at the numbers on a Tuesday morning, there's very little to weigh. Well, and we can it's be we can talking about it. It's, it's it's if they're prepared to pay to see it. And um, I doubt looking at the fact that you know this building's like a third full um, that that many people are. <laughs> Indeed, but we are. They're, they're not, but we are the saps that we are. Eric. Yeah, we can. Yeah, I don't know if it's a rest assured is a cruel term, but uh, yeah, Buff <laughs> Bagwell was suspended about a week after this for uh, some combination of drug testing failure and general behavior and attitude. Um, so who knows uh, what his future holds in this company? Um, I agree that they, these two should just could have a match and Judy can be involved. Um, I don't know. And I, I just think that this is just a, another pin on the pin board of Russo-isms, and we, we'll just add this one to the list, move along. No, nothing matters anymore. And and why? Don't ask why. Because the, we can, they're making me say the words Judy Bagwell on a forklift match at least twice when reviewing the show for a podcast three weeks later. That is why. You know... That is why. You, you're just giving two guys who need to wrestle a wrestling match to get over. The focus of the match is something that has nothing to do with wrestling um and you know it, it it doesn't work it never works it won't work and it's not working here it's just mortifying sure. it's not for anybody it's not this isn't this doesn't help anybody this isn't for anybody this assists nobody no scott keith regularly writes in his monthly write-ups who did it help I haven't actually seen his one for New Blood Rising yet, but I'll intend to as soon as I finish recording this. No, this helped nobody. All I will say in David Arquette's defence, pause for a couple of seconds, yeah. is that, um, yes, lowest drawing champion of all time, should never have won about yada yada. But one thing he has done, and to his eternal credit, that every penny he has earned from his WCW run, he has donated to the families of Owen Hart and Brian Pillman. So we are talking about a good egg here, even though he should never have been given the belt. But who cares about that? Eh? Clearly a good chap who does deserve better than this, I think it's fair to say. I wanted to put that on the record because we didn't talk about it when um, when he won the title. We were just trying to make sense of that and failing quite miserably. But yes, David Arquette is very much a good guy and he deserves it better than this. Match was blah. I agree with you, Adam. I think these two are capable of getting Something. to... Yeah, a fairly decent level, but the in-ring action didn't matter. You could tell they knew it didn't matter. Sloppy mistakes that neither of them, because Buff's been around for a while. He knows the score. He's had 10-minute soliloquies about him from Bob Colling. He knows what he's doing. And Canyon's got a great move set, if not much else. 
they could have a watchable 10 minute match, but it was all about seeing the elderly lady on a forklift, just so Rory McNamara three weeks later could call this a Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. Russo, I know your game. Oh, I wish I could do more about it. Four-way tag team match. MIA, represented by Hugh Morris and Lash LaRue. I refuse to use their current <laughs> names. Jindrak and O'Hare, the perfect event, and the Champions Chronic. Get used to them. Disco is our in-ring ref, and the remainder of the animals are on the outside with Conan on commentary. Adams and Chuck start out. That's hitting the ground running. And they engage in Bob Bamba-friendly offense. Hola. <laughs> Chuck is thrown outside and the animals duff him up. Back in with Jindrak taking a full Nelson slam. Is he, you know, is he still wearing that sombrero? I'm going to mute my mic for this one. <laughs> I think it better. And it now happens to be Jindrak and Lush. Head scissors by LL and now he teams up with Clark. Chuck with a sidekick that was supposed to take down Clark but was closer to hitting me than the former Three Mile Island inhabitant. And again, this is not WCW's fault, but I'm just letting rip now everything that moves. Three Mile Island was uninhabited, Vince. He goes for a pin on O'Hare, but this guy is counting very slowly. Morrison with a spinning heel kick, but then gets caught in a big power bomb. Tigress then gets in to give Hugh a Bronco Buster. Ray tries the same, but gets cut off in very emphatic fashion, if you know what I mean. Another slow count from a lash pinfall attempt, then he takes a gut buster from Stasiak. Once more, Disco takes his sweet time getting to two. Tons of clotheslines by Hugh until O'Hare wipes him out. Then all the heel teams stomp on him for another long two. Sleeper by Chuck, that's all you're getting. MIA double team on Stasiak, but he catches Lash and holds him over the top rope so the animals can pounce. J and O then double suplex Clark, and now there's the Shaunton bomb, but Morris breaks it up and gets DDT'd by Jindrak. Somehow we end up with Chuck and Adams in the ring. Clark joins them for high times, but now Dark Carnival are here to distract them. Not for long, though, as it's meltdown time. No kick out, but Disco says there is. Stasiak then gets caught into a press slam to the outside, and now it's high times time. Disco isn't counting at all now, but that's okay because here is Charbo Guerrero, again, not using current name, to put on a referee shirt, or not as the case may be, it's nowhere near his bloody neck, to administer the three count. He could do that, you see, because reasons. Eric, you now need to unmute your mic to respond to that match and specifically perhaps this comment from Tony who has regained lost ground from earlier with this quote that brings this travesty to an end from the outs of babes <laughs> but, but depends on how you define and uh, define the scope of and the true meaning of tragedy <laughs> um, I will credit you I, 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 I did mute myself for multiple pops during your uh, your match description um, there have been not this many people in a WCW ring since the last World War III pay-per-view. Um, it's just impossible to follow. You have, I'm trying to think, at least six people here who are completely just absolute shit workers. Yep. So you gimmick them up and you give them 12 minutes and you put all the guys who are good wrestlers like Rey Mysterio and... Juventud Guerrera and Conan, although I think he's injured. Uh, you put them on the outside to not wrestle, and you saddle uh, Hugh Morris and Lenny Lane, who are good workers in terrible gimmicks, and you put all the shine on the generic six, seven big guys uh, that can't work, have no star power, and uh, bring every show down that they appear on. Um, 
so this match is just another indication of they don't know how to book people they have and they don't know how to structure matches or shows there's not much more that i can say about this match it isn't completely duplicative of my comments from the chronic match last month or the general wcw tag team title scene so as we're already pushing uh against trying to have another four and a half hour show i think i'll just stop there while i'm ahead ahead he says he's as right as he will ever be adam the first of two chronic matches fill your boots but not too much um i think it's brilliant it's one of the first comments conan made on uh on commentary was you know the fact that the two in the ring which i think was adams and jindrak well, it was either jindrak or O'Hare, and he was like adams, oh, these... and, adams and chuck In- interchangeable interchangeable six seven big men yeah there, there are well, others he, too he was like oh these two suck and it's like yeah yeah not yet. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, as, as I call the call the the uh, thrillers by the end of the month, aren't they? And they're they they I don't know if we're going to go into them later because I think it's brilliant. That, you know, they thought the best leader for them, who's a, someone whose gimmick is, oh yeah, I'm the top, I'm the best C plus player in the world. Yeah, that's going to make us want to cheer for you, isn't it? That's um, above average, Mike Sanders, by the way. In case we don't get to it. <laughs> And we won't get to it. No, but I'll, I'll make sure we don't. <laughs> mm. Carry on, Adam. Sorry, mate. But yeah, I, this is a... Re- Are the filthy animals supposed to be faces here? I think so. I think Cause, so. But I mean, they're definitely faces by the end of the month. But there's something... It happens again later on the show. There is what seems to be the catalyst for turn without the actual turn. It's just they're presented here as, as ones on one side. And then the next time we see them, they're appearing on the other side. Um, You're great, bro. There are, there are too many people in this match. I mean, I'm not a big fan of, a, of four ways, but I, I think... This as a four-way on its own would have been fine. Keep it under, you know, eight minutes. It could something could have worked out, and you know, we could have just sort of walked past it. But the fact they then added a guest referee, three enforcers, and another bout of interference because we haven't had enough interference on this show because there's only been interference in every match up to this point so far. Um, and then you've got the nonsensical thing with Chavo or the other name and the nonsensical uh, referee shirt thing. Um, you know, I'm just going to read you the last thing I wrote on this match because I don't think I can sum it up any better than I did at the time. Uh, and and that is four ways are stupid. This is worse. A multiple a four-way with it says a four-way tag team match was its official term but you know, did these people even count as wrestlers no most of them were i'm pleased to say beaten up by a one-armed because one other kind of paul orndorf is there paul orndorf on the last thunder of this month so that is what we are dealing with here yeah, they are now known as the natural born thrillers and just to recap their members are mike sanders ken 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 and ken this match was stop let you know who Barbie is. Um, this was uh, horrifying, really. Again, just 
all the adjectives are coming out now. It's when Conan on commentary is your most entertaining part of the match, then it's time to take it home. Just looking at these names now. Chronic are terrible. Perfect event are terrible. Jindrakanoha are terrible. Hugh Morris has a nice moonsault. Lashleru, decent opening match guy. And that's yeah. <laughs> I, I finished strong there, didn't I? Just Well, I think the thrillers, they have they could be down the line. Um some of them have potential and Stasiak's got some weird charisma, he could work something. O'Hare's quite athletic, Jindrak's just generic. Reno has interesting hair. <laughs> I did pop when Ernest Miller called him Igor a couple of weeks ago. I'll give Ernest that. <laughs> <up. laughs> yeah. It's got interesting hair. <laughs> oh, scraping the whole word the barrel used. No more natural. To be fair, he's, he's got a re, he's got an interesting finish as well. Interest interesting hair and an alright finish, you know. That's, oh, got it made. That's, that's just more like, than a couple of the other members of that group have. A two-tall player, if you will. Uh, that's quite enough from this awful match, because Chronic come back later. Oh, we don't know how lucky we are. Jeff Jarrett is interviewed backstage. And our next match is Douglas versus Kidman in a strap match. Now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not recapping a Jeff Jarrett interview, OK? If I close my eyes and put my fingers in my ears, he's not there. I'm not fucking doing it. <laughs> I'm jumping to a Shane Douglas match ahead of a Jeff Jarrett interview. So Douglas versus Kidman in a strap match. Uh, if you're listening to this show in 2020, you might need to ask in Carter for the following reference from a sign in the crowd. Elian is the real chosen one. Oh, dear, oh, dear. As the bell rings, Douglas tries to make good his pre-match promise to take some skin off Kidman's ass. He doesn't get far. Kidman taunts Tori on the outside, then clothesline the franchise down, then whips him into the guardrail in front of a fan wearing a Liverpool away shirt. See, I was watching. Kidman is then distracted by Tory and Douglas puts the whip where it counts, as Madden has it. Douglas wraps it around Kidman's mouth and gets off his neck snap sort of thing. Tory chokes him down over the ropes, then a freaking knuckle lock by Douglas, but that fires Kidman up, and who can blame him, with plenty of fists. Nice runner by Kidman, and then the short powerbomb for two. The shirt comes off, and then the rocket launcher, and the strap gets put somewhere. Then a tornado DDT, just for two. I should say this is not a touch the corner strap match. Possibly lifting this show from a zero. Tori is up on the apron with a shoe in her hand as Madden actually says she's turned heel. Yeah, I get it, but yeah, I get it. Roll up by Kidman gets two, then Tori turns it back around. Douglas up with a Pittsburgh plunge and actually looks half convincing for a change, but Kidman is out. He then recovers into the fantastic special and that gets him the win. He confronts Tory with a few shots to the derriere with the strap, and then in a very unedifying moment, Douglas chokes Kidman with it, and Tory even kicks the supporting chair away. He just hangs, that's the word I'm afraid, in the air for a very uncomfortable few seconds, before Vito makes the save. Reno, him again, then attacks him because nothing is allowed to breathe in this company, and yes, of course, the pun on breed was intended. You know me well enough by now. Adam? Um... So I, I'm just going to address this now. Um, Madden, I don't know how many people are going to get the reference turning heel. Um, in fact, I actually, by this point, I was getting so irritated by the insider terms. I was, I was just picturing um, instead of Tori hitting Kidman with that heel, her impaling Madden's eye with it. Um, <laughs> 
Just the Michael I, I, Myers I, who only I, narrowly I lost to Gene Oakland on no. Thunder, I'll have you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mark Madden matches this month. Go for you. <laughs> see, I, I, the idea of Oakland wrestling was actually quite entertaining until it was announced Madden was his opponent. Then I was like, oh, okay. Um, Don't get distracted by that, for God's sake. <laughs> So why were Big Vito and Reno in their gear when they weren't booked on the show? <laughs> the old Ric Flair SummerSlam 92 dichotomy. Mm. <laughs> or, yeah, I, I, in general, I hate that, by the way. I hate that. But they have their gear on, they're not in the match. Awful. I just hate it so much. Vito has got lot, really... I don't know if anyone noticed, but Vito actually got a big uh, chant when he came out. Yes, um, he did. I'm wondering if that's part of the reason why he actually got a reasonable sort of push towards the end of the month. Um, I don't I mean, they've got worse guys they could go with. Um, you know, most of them appeared in the last match, but um, we, we're, we're moving away from that, in theory. Um, I actually really like some of the spots they used right at the start with the strap. It's, it's exact. If I was in a fight with a strap, um, yeah, a lot of the stuff they were doing, that's exactly the sort of thing I'd try and go for. Um, it wasn't pretty, but so it looked like it hurt. Um, I, it really, when Bamboo goes off on Kidman, I'm like, oh, he's not that bad. You he beat know? me to that one too. You've been stealing my notes today, Adam. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that one's, one's low-hanging fruit, isn't it, really? <laughs> but, but, yeah, Bamboo is really down on Kidman for some reason. I'm always like, nah, he's not that bad. And then he comes out for a strap match, not wearing a shirt. You sort of think, this guy is an idiot. I mean, you know, the franchise, he's, you know, he's dressed in what looked like street clothes. And Kidman comes out, you know, with a, with a large area of his back exposed. And he's like, you, you didn't think this one through, kid, did you? No, I don't think you did. Um, uh, trying to read. My writing is terrible. Um, so I've got what looks like could be interesting notes, but it, it could also be Arabic for, for <laughs> all I know right now. But no, the, these two had a fine match. Um, I, I'm getting. They seem to be dragging this this all out. Um, I don't know. The trouble is they're doing a lot of, um, lot of segments, especially building up this on Nitro, which require Kidman to speak. Which, when it comes to Billy Kidman's strengths, um, no one is going to say it's his charisma. In fact, the most interesting thing about the the segment where they showed the Tory Wilson birthday party. I found was how he was wearing a shirt. Bearing in mind, it wasn't a Billy Kidman shirt because apparently he's not over enough to have his own merchandise, which is a regular WCW shirt. And on the back, it said "Shut up and wrestle," which is funnily enough exactly what I was thinking. And I saw every, in fact, every time I see Kidman grab a microphone, it's just like, no, that's not your strength. Stick to your strength. Just start the match. Um, but you yeah, know, it's, it's a fun match. Um, the the way it finished with with the hanging, um, if it was if it was not two guys who are mid card, I'm sorry, Douglas, you may call yourself the franchise, but in WCW you're mid card. I'm sorry, you're gonna have, 
you just kind of have to live with it. Um, but yeah, that the hanging spot, I I would have less of a problem with if the guys were more over than they were because it would give some. It's like when you had Michael's collapse at the end of '95 and he tried to do a similar thing with the smoking guns the next year. There's a reason one of those is still remembered today and one of those isn't. Um, and it's the same thing here. Like 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 you actually said in the rundown, there's just not enough give it, not enough space to breathe here because there's just so much that happened at the end in a match, which it's really sad to think Kidman two months ago was feuding with one of the biggest stars ever to come into professional wrestling. And, and now no one cares about him. It's really sad to think. Um, but yeah, it was a fine match. He just too much happened near the end of it. And, and they had matter on commentary, which, are we almost done with this show <laughs> we can be eric help us along <laughs> i'm just confused because i thought that hulk hogan rub would really vault billy kidman into the into the stratosphere <laughs> um mm-hmm. maybe there is something to that theory that hogan never got anybody else over but you know who am i to judge uh this match gains possibly near the highest praise of any match I'll give on the card and that it was fine. And it was perfectly reasonable. Uh, the strap match without the strap match stipulation was a little weird, but it's not the first time we've seen that. Um, and then you just have the bullshit at the end and the bullshit at the end is like an anchor tied to WCW and it just completely drags it down. Even when it has a, a chance of, of, of swimming above water. So yeah, this match was fine. These are two perfectly capable workers perfectly capable of having a mid-card feud and they wrestled a decent match in the context of this card there's not really all that much to complain about yeah we'll take it um i feel like this feud has been going on for an extremely long time but that's when you watch nitro and thunder every week this month as i've been doing everything feels like it's been going on for a long time the match was okay it was your shane douglas mid-card match yes i'm gonna bury you too douglas i'm gonna join what i hope is a very long line although i feel like i've been at the front of it for the last five years you are where you are for good reason kidman is much better than one person seems to think he is. I think most people agree. Well, you've got Hulk Hogan is number one and Bob Bamber is number two. If those two people don't go in the same sentence together, then I don't know who will. Match was okay. The choking was very uncomfortable. That's just Russo yeah. remembering something he did in the WWF a year and a half ago. He clearly did not listen to our WrestleMania 15 show. I still wake up in cold sweats about that one, Eric, and I don't think this is going to help you know, exercise the, only- the ghost very much. It's truly the only show where I thought about messaging you guys and like being like, should we record that? I, I was just completely bummed out by the end of it, and I felt like I had no energy. And now New Blood Rising 2000, yeah. Do, do actually listen to WrestleMania, our WrestleMania 15 show, which Eric, Chris White, like, and I, if you ever want to hear, you know, two and a half hours of recorded dysmorphia, it is right there for you on air. It's the most honest show we've ever done. Honest take, it, is... Take that. Honest is the word. Right, let's move this along. We've got some quick matches here, which is good. So it's nearly the end of the first half of the show. Right, come on, let's rock. Booker arrives in his car, but Poochie, sorry, not Poochie, Jarrett is there to stop him from even getting into the arena. Wiggity, wiggity. He jams his leg in the car door because that's what the horseman did to people over a decade ago. Right, I do not want to spend very long on this one. Major Guns versus Miss Hancock. 
ROTC now stands for Rip Off the Camouflage, a subtle but important distinction. Hancock with a handspring back elbow, leading to Madden to compare her to, to Muta. The sound you hear is Chris Lacey imploding and exploding. Miss Hancock gets the first bit of clothing off, but they have to go to the mud first. Yeah, respect the rules. Hancock then sets way too early on a backdrop attempt to the extent where it is almost suspicious. She then goes up to the second rope for a while. See my previous comment. Are you getting it now? She kips up. Yes, she really does, but takes a kick to the face by guns. Hancock misses a crossbody, allowing her to roll outside. And there go the camo shorts. And there goes Hancock's camo top to the mud pit. We go with guns being backdropped into it. I have here in very heavy quote marks. Some wag in the crowd tries to get an ECW chant going as now both ladies are in the mud. But you know what chant we really do get. Hancock tries to shimmy for us all, but then starts holding her stomach. Oh, no. Guns then rolls her up for the three. That was somewhat curious. She briefly celebrates, then realises that Hancock is in serious pain. David Flair then jumps into the pit to comfort her as Guns then comes out of character and starts showing real concern. The commentators then drop their voices as a stretcher comes out and really just fuck all of this. We go to the back where she gets put into an ambulance. Of course, Tony starts calling her by her real name because this is real bro, which apparently is Stacy. Keebler, Eric... Everything I've said there, including the Luta comparison, really says all we could ever want to say about this. But just briefly summarise if you can. When the peak of the pinnacle of Russo is established in history, it won't be this. But just under whatever that is, maybe it's already happened, we'll be running a shoot injury angle off of a mud pit match. Featuring two valets. What more do you need to know? It's all there. Adam, make it quick. Um, <laughs> I'll try. Um, uh, your, your thoughts on the match, please. Mucky minded but <laughs> That was just me. <laughs> well enough, I, I was trying to look at this as from a technical perspective. And my, so my first note is why is Major Guns not wearing any boots? Um, because <laughs> That's one place to look, I suppose. It's, well, you know, it's true. She wasn't. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be uh, respectful. Good for you. Good for you. But, Good for you. But I'm by certain actions um, from both the writing and uh, and broadcast staff of this company, I don't think. I think I'm in the minority. Um, but no, so it, it got kind of confusing. They've really gimmicked this match up because it was rip off the camouflage and then you could have pinfalls and the pinfalls are happening in the ring there was also the mud pit at, at the entranceway and you kind of think wait what because some of the pinfalls happened before they ripped off all the camouflage and they happened in the ring which but they had to fight all the way to the mud pit so am i just confused in thinking that you know i they didn't seem to have a logical thought progression there. Um, oh, I say so. <laughs> I just have four. I have three words written for for what happened at the end of the match, um, and that is this is embarrassing. That is my the entirety of what I've written. Um, so yeah, I think. Um, was it Hudson who said that this, that the end wasn't 
wasn't scripted, um, which irritated me in a couple of different ways because one, nothing on that show should be scripted. It's it's a sporting event. You don't have an you don't have a script for that. Like we don't necessarily have a we the only we don't have a script for the majority of this show because it's not scripted. You know, I I could call if I was to say uh, Russo is a irritating pus bag on the arse of the wrestling business. That, that wasn't <laughs> scripted to say that, but it falls within the format of this show because that's what is on people. That's what's on the announcer's desk. That's what's on the production team's desk. A format. It's. I'm just going to throw it out there because it fucking irritates me. Only part. Only part of this show that's scripted is is the news segment. The the rest is formatted. Um. But yeah, the. But yeah, back in January last year, Rory, you and me, we did uh, the WWF show, and we did. I don't know if you remember this, but on one of the on one of the uh, rundowns on an episode of Raw, uh, twice I wanted to go into a rant on the uh, on the miscarriage angle, and twice you subtly managed to avoid it i don't know how you did it but you did it very well good sir um tricks of the trade yeah i i mean i could go on to the, into that here but really don't i but i feel i've already paid too much heed to this match and i haven't even spoken that much about the match um i mean if, if you want to ensure this match wasn't that great because these two aren't trained wrestlers and the little training they have had is not enough um which is again leading back to why I say this whole thing was an embarrassment. Um, but yeah, they're going the pregnancy angle, which again, who's going to, hey, is that going to sell any tickets? Is that going to sell any pay-per-views? I don't think so. Um, I don't think anyone's even going to be talking about it. Sorry, Mr. Russo. Um, yeah, try it. You're throwing so much stuff at the wall. Only some of it's going to stick. You know, I only have I only have a finite ability to follow what you're what you're throwing at me, and uh, you're throwing an awful lot. And I can tell you right now, this one, once I once I finish recording this show, I'm never gonna fucking think about it again, I unless I unless I'm on next month's show and it continues. <laughs> I may. You'll you'll you. make your case, I say. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not even going to credit this with description. It should never have been on the show in the first place, and that ending. Just how dare you, quite frankly. I'm, I'm not. No, I'm, the, the gloves are off. How fucking dare you, Russo? How dare you? You know who could be watching this show. It's horrifying. Right. The Demon versus Sting. I'm not even going to comment on the Sting beats him in a minute. Chronic are coming back a bit later on. We can jump right ahead. Sting is being wasted. I don't think he cares. Lance Storm versus Mike Awesome. This could be a bit more like it. Storm is, of course, the baby face here. But again, just just remember that. He suggests that American mentality could lead to a terrorist attack in the back. I think that's pushing it. He invokes Rule 32B from his rule book in order to appoint a special referee for this match. The crowd, perhaps understandably, get a Brett chant going, but they are eventually presented with Jacques Rougeau. You want the finger? We'll give the Vancouver fans the finger. Awesome knocks Storm down and executes a gorgeous, and you got that reference, a gorgeous butterfly gourd buster. Running clothesline in the corner and some serious clubbing blows and a leaping leg drop. Storm rallies with his own clothesline by the buckles and some big shots to the chest. Awesome sends Storm over the ropes to the outside. He finds a table under the ring and sets it up in order for a powerbomb, but Lance rams him into the guardrail. Yes, that again. 
Uh, Mike with the belly-to-belly overhead. He goes up top and legit slips off the rope. Commentators rightly point out he stayed focused and recovered quickly. Mega power bomb by Lance for two, and then the sorry, mega power bomb by mega power bomb by Awesome. What's he doing to me? For two, and then the bell rings at two. Storm clearly kicked out at two there, but apparently that is enough for the win and the US title. So they screwed up the screw up. Impressive. Jack tells Dave Penzer indeed that Canadian rules dictate you only beat your opponent with a five count. Ugh. Alabama slam and jackknife roll up and of course Lance kicks out at three and a half to make sure we get it awesome locks on a dragon sleeper and Storm gives it up but yeah you're already ahead of me Canadian championship matches can only end by a pinfall of course they can roll ups by Storm both get two but a choice German suplex by awesome springboard clothesline for four that gets laughter from the very forgiving crowd Mike goes up with a super duper splash for a five count so what's it going to be this time Oh, you have an extra count of 10 to answer the bell. Storm does, inevitably. Four and a half count after a smash from Storm and the novelty has really worn off here, assuming it was ever worn well in the first place. He sticks him on a table, then goes up, but Awesome follows, and then both men go through it in a rather ropey side suplex thing. The first man standing at the count of 10 will be declared the winner. Jacques joins in with the count, and by that I mean he slugs Awesome at the count of seven, so Storm is able to get up and win. Post-match, now they give the fans Brett, and despite the fans being treated like second-class citizens for the last 20 minutes, they cheer Brett to the skies. So what does he do when he gets in? He congratulates both Lance and Jacques. I've lost the ability to speak four matches early. Uh, I am now, much like the Speaker of the House of Commons, going to impose time limits on our comments because this show doesn't deserve more. Adam, you have two and a half minutes to try and sum up these 20. Good luck. (laughs) Okay, right, two and a half minutes. (laughs) Right, let's go, let's go. Um... So, uh, before this match, actually, uh, just before the four-way tag match, uh, they showed Storm show, showing up, uh, being surrounded by uh, by Secret Service members. Um, I think it's brilliant. They're actually really going with Storm. They're treating him really well. The only thing about him is I've given him the most generic fucking entrance music ever. Um, I'd, you know, I'd love to go into the first thunder of the month um, just for how well they're treating him, but I don't have time. Um, I, you know, I, I like the guest referee thing, although I have to admit, Jacques Rougeau, uh, Rougeau definite step down from Bret Hart. Oh, yes. Um, the table spot, um, all just the table, I don't, uh, I, I'm not feeling that in, a, in WCW, it's not the way WCW should be going, WCW should be uh differentiating itself on its history of being great wrestling and tables are not that i know awesome uses of them a lot but um still it could i could do without it especially in this match although it did get a big ecw chant um i know they're not very familiar with it up there but i'm sure it made lacy smile um i i did like the dusty finishes um although some of them like you said it did get a bit grating um 60 seconds. <laughs> You're doing well. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, to be fair, these two could have had a great match and they had a, uh, even with all the bells and whistles, it didn't go down that much, although it was kind of harmed by the fact that they wrestled, I think it was a Thunder one side and the Nitro the other side, if I'm not mistaken. But, right. but still, it was, a, it was a good match. It sort of, and I, I love seeing Bret Hart. Like, more than happy to see Bret Hart my on my screen so um it's got that going for it at least 
How am I doing? How are you doing? Better, yeah, you know, film for 20 seconds now. Well, well, well done, my man. Uh, everybody, dear listener, I'm going to keep this in. I'm a bit tired for time today. It's not just because I want to get through this pay-per-view quickly. Well, not much anyway. Eric. <laughs> uh, here's the deal. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, these two guys could go out there and put on an absolute barn burner yes. of a match. Um, and uh, again, just another uh, another example of a, a decent uh, bit of potential being squandered by overbooking and illogical stuff. Like uh, I, my, my takeaway of the psychology of this match was they knew Lance was going to be over, but he's the heel. So to get the crowd behind Mike Awesome, you give Lance all these advantages. And by the end, the crowd is so fed up with Mike Awesome uh, getting screwed that they're even willing to boo their Canadian hero Lance Storm because they know that he's the heel. And so that's kind of what I was going with, because that's the only way to really make sense of the dynamics here. And they kind of did that, or at least I was sick of it by the end. And then you bring out Bret Hart, who's supposed to be the Canadian hero, greatest wrestler in the history of Canada. Everybody loves Bret Hart. And instead of they just they just undo all the the work they did and by aligning Lance with Brett and it makes Brett look like he's aligning with Lance who's a conniving heel who needs all this help to win. This is a perfect example of everybody being worse off by by the end of the match. And so uh, yeah, count that for what for what you will in your final tally. Indeed. The whole point of the US Canada thing, as we still call it on these shows three years ago, is when the WWF went to Canada the Hart Foundation were treated and booked as baby faces. That's yeah. why it worked so well. Here, but in the same vein, in those matches, uh, Owen Hart still played the heel. You watched the match with Steve Austin at that Survivor Series. No, I mean, I, yeah, I'd, I'd say Survivor Series was well. Let's, let's not go there again. Okay, disqualify me then, and all that. Good point. But certainly at the height of it, June, July, I think it had long since died off by then. To be honest with you, and Survivor Series was Survivor Series. But I do take your point. It's not not absolute. Uh, here. Now, this is the first time they've been in Canada for a pay-per-view, possibly ever. If there's been another one, do write in and tell me. And you're having instead it worked as a pauper's version of Over the Edge 98. Now, that worked for a reason. This didn't work for the same ones. And it's a shame because these two are definitely capable. You could send these two out for 15 minutes. But I'm OK. Yes, I am disappointed that we did get an overbooked mess and not the 15-minute Matt Classic they were capable of. But nobody is really surprised by it, are they? No, expect little in this company and be rewarded with even worse is <laughs> probably the best you're going to get. And it's a shame. I'm a huge fan of both these guys. Storm, I think they're going as far as they can with him. And it's good. It's very good. I think the fact he was beaten cleanly by Booker in the Nitro before this does show his level at the moment, and that's not a criticism of the booking for a change. As and, on, on the subject of that match, I found it very interesting. Um, when over here on in the UK on on Channel Five every Friday, we have WCW Worldwide, which is uh, a roundup show, which is usually about three or four weeks behind. And this week, um, they actually showed that match. And they built up to that match about how Storm could become the Grand Slam champion better on that episode of Worldwide than in, at any point on that on the actual episode of Nitro in which it aired. Well, 
There you go. That's worldwide. It's been going since 1975 for a reason. There we go. <laughs> Lance will be fine. He'll be fine. I don't like the way the new stable is going, but he will be fine. And Mike Awesome, judging by what he was wearing in his interview on Nitro, uh, the last Nitro of the month will definitely not be fine. It's a shame. And Brett anointing the conniving heels at the end. Mm. We find out, as you would have heard at the top of the show, he does eventually become one by whacking Bill Goldberg in the back of a in the back with a shovel in the desert. It all makes sense. No, it really doesn't. Right. OK, you know what? Executive decision. I am scrapping the Dark Carnival versus Chronic. I'm in charge. I'm not talking about two Chronic matches on one fucking show. Basically, the great Muta needs the help of the Harris brothers to help defeat Chronic and give Dark Carnival the tag team titles. I'm not talking about Chronic. The saddest thing about that match. Be quick. In this whole show, Musa has showed about 30 seconds of interest in a match and 29 of them were in that one. There you are. All my notes, which I'm not going to do, watch them. Just give, I say, well, give Muta everybody the, the credit he deserves by at least watching that match. But he doesn't deserve to be sullied by us having to try to break it down, the poor lamb. This one we are going to break down. Worrying that the first note I made in that match is about halfway through the match. And it, the note I've made is literally, I should make notes, but screw it. <laughs> I know, preemptively correct. Okay. This is this is the one. This is the one. Kevin Nash versus Scott Steiner versus Goldberg. Nash is out first, followed by Steiner, and then Bill's music goes up. Throughout the day, we have been told he is not in the building. We wait it out while the director actually focuses on a sign reading Goldberg fears Gilberg. Oh, God, this company. So it's just Nash versus Steiner by the looks of it. Kept with the usual to start. But now here comes Bill with his ribs taped and armed with a chair going right to Nash. Scott whacks him in the back of the head and I suppose we are now ready to roll. Steiner though takes him down with a clothesline and a T-bone suplex for a count of two. Nash is still out on the outside by the way. Goldberg with a shoulder tackle and then there's the kick. Nash is now in and it's clobbering time. Steiner breaks it up and gets two off a belly to belly. He threatens the ref before returning to Nash and sending him to the mat for another two. Goldberg with an overhead butterfly and Steiner and then a double clothesline and the same to both of them from Nash. Sidewalk slam to Steiner who then gets slugged outside. Goldberg takes the big boot and down come the straps. Right then, brace yourselves. He sets Bill up for the jackknife but he just pushes him off. He wanders out of the ring as everybody seems confused. Russo appears and tells him to get his ass back in the ring but he gets fuck you'd for his trouble. Maybe Goldberg was supposed to go up for the jackknife, but he swerved Kevin Nash. I don't think he expected that to happen at all. Nash is a pro. He could have punched Goldberg right there. All things the commentators said. Who do you think's going to go over? You've got to be impressed with what these three athletes bring to the ring each time they come out. The straps are down. Nash is ready to go hunting for anything in his path right now, guys. I guess for Nash... He wants to go right at Goldberg. He's going to the power bomb. He jackknifes him with those bad ribs. Oh. It's going to be all over. Nash would love to deliver this one, but Goldberg, Goldberg forces his way out. Wait, what happened there? What the hell? He pushed him off out of that. He pushed him off out of that jack. Is Goldberg leaving? Okay. Oh, oh, man. He said he was going to be the fourth man in. He said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Goldberg just walked right past Vince Russo. Vince was going to back. Russo said, get your, you know what, back into the ring. And, and Goldberg said, Goldberg's walking. 
Where is Goldberg going? We know he's injured. Well, where is he going? But he, and he wa- why is he going there? He walked out of the he walked out of the the, the jackknife powerbomb, which would have been it. Hey, maybe Goldberg was supposed to do something that would have made him look good, but this doesn't make him look real good either. Let's call it what it is. I'm thinking Goldberg was supposed to go up for the jackknife. He, 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 he swerved Kevin Nash right there, and Vince tried to talk him back into it. He said no. Well, did you see the facial reaction of Nash? Obviously, he didn't expect it to happen at all. That's that's what we've got here. And hey, Nash was a pro. Nash was a pro. Nash was a pro. Nash could have punched Goldberg out right there if he would have wanted. Not that Phil would have run down like a ton of bricks like Nash just did now. But Nash was a pro like he always is. Well, the battle rages on, pro or not. This this has been a very bizarre night. And I, I think we all expected it to be kind of out of the norm, but I don't know if we ever expected this to happen. Hey, this fight's good enough for me. Call the action, well, Tony. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Let's go with it. Let's see, and let's only see what's going to happen now. If, in fact, the jackknife powerbomb was part of this design, what are they going to do now? Improvise? If the jackknife powerbomb was indeed part of this design, what are they going to do now? Improvise? One more time. If the jackknife powerbomb was indeed part of this design, what are they going to do now? Improvise? I refuse to comment on the rest of this match. For the record, Nash won despite Medeja's interference and references by the commentators, of course, to working on the fly and going into business for themselves after a powerbomb that Steiner was professional enough to go up for. Eric, I will come to you in a second. First, I will let Mr. Vince Russo attempt to explain himself from the sit-down interview he did with Tony Schiavone on the nitro before this in the three-way dance with goldberg and kevin nash and scott steiner which has everybody talking not only the fans but all of us behind the scenes we want to know what's going to happen because if we can read between the lines in these interviews we've got guys saying regardless of what they or vince russo wants i'm going to do what i want in that well, match. tony let, let me let me erase the lines and tell okay. you how it is i mean the reality is and, and, and i'll say it again there is no me anymore this isn't about me this is about what's best for the company you know, a certain individual came out here a couple of weeks ago and said, you know, quite frankly, I don't like some of the guys I work with, and I don't like some of the people I work for. Right. Well, you know what? I don't like some of the people that work for me. That's a shoot. And and the shoot is there are three guys in that ring. Two I like, one I'm not crazy about. But I know that the end result in that ring will be what's best for WCW. Not what's best for an individual, but me, you, and everybody in this company. The finish of that match will be what's best for this company, and, and that's cut and dry. And he, of course, failed. Eric, now it's your turn. <laughs> now that I've stopped vomiting, um, I think it's over, guys. Pack it up. Let's go home. Uh, uh, the wrestling business, everybody. It was fun while it lasted. Where do you go from here? I mean, the genie's out of the bottle, and it's never going back in. And now that you basically have counter-programming to the only other national wrestling program functioning as a parody of professional wrestling, uh, that's it. It's never going to be the same. See you later. Thanks a lot, Vince Russo. You fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say. That's all I say. That's it, isn't it? It's it's. No, this I'm, I'm barely exaggerating when I say it. There goes the wrestling business. I mean, you hear fans talking about things. Oh, this guy's offense uh, is business exposing, or oh, I wasn't able to suspend my disbelief for that. Now, even. Things like that between smarky fans, even that has gone out of the window here because of what we were.
presented with on our screens, on a pay-per-view. If the jackknife powerbomb was indeed part of this design, what are they going to do now? Improvise. Adam, over to you for last rites. Assuming this hasn't finished you off. <laughs> God damn it! Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Um, <laughs> Don't blame me. Seriously? Sorry. No, I'm it happened. It, it, it wasn't a fever I, dream. We saw it too. It might, might, might have been your dream. It might have been Eric's dream. It might be my dream, but we were all there. <laughs> Fuck's sake! <I'm... laughs> okay, so. Right, I'm going to compose myself. I am. I'm going to get this together. Right, so... So in the middle of a, of a wrestling show, a wrestler decides he doesn't want to do business and walks out. Now, obviously, I've, I've never... My time in the wrestling business was never... I was never to the degree of appearing on national tv um the best i managed was um, a little channel called my channel here in, in the uk but you know what if someone had done that on one of the shows i was announcing and my response had been what and my response had been to mention it um that would be the last time i'd have worked for that company right so the, now I should have mentioned I should have mentioned this at the start, but um, if you go back and watch the whole promo for the for the start of this show, it's it they focus a lot on how Nash says that he's a professional, but he might not be a professional in this match, and all and it, the whole thing seems to be about the level of professionalism that will be shown in this match, um, and. To be fair, the, the the people in the ring were the only people who showed any fucking professionalism in this because they went along with what they were told seemingly unquestioningly. The fact that someone thought this was a good idea and the fact that uh, he was allowed to get away with um, is just further reason as to why he shouldn't be involved in any aspect of this business. Um the whole point of wrestling is, is you're supposed to get lost in the moment. If you continually tell people that it's it's not real, then you know people are gonna start questioning why that they're investing their time and influence here. Um, episode of The Simpsons uh, last year they is particularly infamous uh, for C- for Seymour Skinner. Um, being revealed as not being Seymour Skinner. Uh, and Armin that, Tanzarian. Yeah, exactly. That got a fair amount of backlash on the on the internet, and I believe to this day, Matt Groening has has shown that he he doesn't understand the reasoning why he was like, well, you know, isn't it ridiculous that these fans have such an attachment to such a character? And it's a case of no, no, it's not. In fact, that's kind of the whole point of your employment is to create these characters that people have this attachment to. So when you wreck these characters, 
you are telling these fans that they're idiots for investing uh, their time and interest in these particular characters. And the fact you can't see that makes me question why you are still involved with this project, uh, because you obviously don't understand why it's so successful. Um, and it's the it's it's exactly the same here. You know, if this ma- you're you're telling on a wrestling pay per view that a match on this wrestling pay per view is fake, then if this match is fake, the other ten and the, it's quite depressing that there's that many on this show, considering how few of them are actually any good. The other ten matches on this show, they're also fake. So the yeah. near three hours we spend watching this is a waste of time because it. it in the end, it doesn't matter. And if it doesn't matter, then why are we wasting our time and money on this show? Um, I mean, there's there's other points I could I could raise here, but I, but you know, but what's the point? Because it doesn't matter. Either it really doesn't. I, I I don't know how we and we by we I mean. <laughs> We, me, all that Russo B was talking about the bollocks in the interview you heard earlier. When I say we, I mean the staff of this podcast. I'm maybe the whole wrestling world in general. I don't I don't feel there's any comeback from this. Now, I said an hour and a half ago, there are elements of Russo's booking I see a vague bit of worth in. I was intentionally closing my mind to this. I knew it was coming. I just, I, I try. I, I really do try with this guy i tried too hard harder than he deserves even last month when i was just the screed of invective i was giving him after his vain glorious speech in the ring at bash at the beach i thought maybe he can he's never going to turn it around he's always going to be vince russo like i said earlier but maybe just maybe we've reached the nadir and we're going to get some sort of dead cat bounce at some point but the poor Moggy just run over here completely by uh, an 18-wheeler. Uh, I can't even get my metaphor straight. I have been told as a viewer that I should not be watching pro wrestling here. That if that I'm supposed to believe, but if somebody isn't in the mood, he can be unprofessional enough to not go up and take the planned move. He can go into business for himself, leaving his other fellow professionals to have to work on the fly. And that one of them could have legit punched him, gone off the script to do so, because it was something that wasn't expected to happen. One more time. If the jackknife powerbomb was indeed part of this design, what are they going to do now? Improvise? It's been nice knowing you, everybody. And that is where we really should end it. We did have a world title match between Booker T and Jeff Jarrett. In all fairness, to I did make notes for this one. And especially as I have been a fan of Booker T's title reign, I would like to go through this match and give it the standard credit that we would to any match on this or any other show. But I'm, all, I'm in two minds because it almost doesn't really matter. You know, I'm just going to what what is the world title? I'm just going to summarize. Ref bumps. El Cabong with the guitar. Couple of kickouts at 2.9. Booker hits the bookend to get the one, two, three. 
the match was probably on a par, maybe even slightly less than the Bash at the Beach match. But it's purely for the record. This is going to get mentioned in dispatches and nothing else. It's not their fault. I'll even defend Jeff Jarrett here a bit. It's not their fault. It's especially not Booker T's fault. He deserves infinitely more than this. But A, after what we've just seen, and B, we'll be saying something else about Booker in a few minutes' time. I don't think we need to talk about this match. I will give you a minute each to maybe summarise it. But Eric, I'll come to you first. It's a world title match that you're supposed to get invested in. 10 minutes after being told explicitly that you are a fool for paying any heed to this stuff, what does it really matter? I think you can tell from my voice, I am genuinely angered by this and saddened. And I'm not putting this on for effect. I'm genuinely saddened by this as a wrestling fan. And your silence speaks volumes, it really does. No, it's just I, I'm trying to gather my thoughts here, and and what I think what I come come away with is, yeah, we have a title match, and it's a decent match uh, between two guys who probably aren't ready to be in the world title scene, but here we are, and on a different show with a company with different momentum or different ideas or any planning whatsoever, th- this was something to to you know send the crowd home happy with ultimately, despite the amount of of continuing bullshit that goes on although genuine like you said generally less than um uh than than before this was a a pretty good match so fine whatever but yeah like you said the the stink of russo was very fresh uh lingering over this entire affair adam 60 seconds as we lower the coffin (laughs) um i genuinely only have one note for this match um the exact note i have is that graphic looks so indie um because <laughs> uh, the, seriously the WCW, um bamber actually said how wcw haven't been using match graphics and they only have it seems that in the last month or so they have um but yeah um the gra- the graphics look, look like um they've paid some college student uh to take a crack at photoshop but what can I say on this match? Um, I, I mean, I, I can say stuff on this. I've got, I've got a couple of things. I, I, if it was any other, if it was following any other match, I'd probably say they've got, got some positives and some negatives. Um, I'm kind of mixed on Booker's reign uh, for no other reason than he's tried. They've tried to establish him not by beating any of the top stars. I know he faced Goldberg on Nitro, but other than that, he's faced mostly mid-card guys. The guy he defeated was um, only a main eventer because he won every one of his matches by interference. So it doesn't really establish him as a main guy. But yeah, again, it, but what does it matter? Um, the match, I think it doesn't help that the match they had here is just a better version of matches they were having six months ago for the US title, which doesn't help them stand out as main eventers. It just makes it seem like an extended US title match. Um, and also, I think it shows how little they have invested in these two by the fact the back of Jeff Jarrett's shirt still says NWO six months <laughs> after. That's not, like, not a thing nothing, anymore. Nothing gets past you, Adam, and I love you for it. Att- even here, attention to detail to the very last. They're not called that. They're called the band. Uh, of that, brief, brief high spot. 
Adam, I I hate myself for having to ask you to do this, but sum up your thoughts on this show if you can, and if it is at all possible, because uh, the the canons of metric could be just thrown out the window by what we saw in our penultimate match, but can you possibly rate this out of 10? Yes, yes, you can. Um, you've got to remember, if you're, rating, if you're giving something a rating, it's because you it's how much you recommend it. So by, te by re recommending something as, as low as a one, you're saying, oh, well, you can see it for this. And frankly, I... I can't recommend it. I can't give it a rating. I can't give it a rating of anything above a zero. Um, I mean, I'd, you know, if we we're doing like little snowflakes, I'd say, oh yeah, on a star rating, it's um, minus every star in the Andromeda <laughs> galaxy. Um, but not on a, but on a scale of one to ten, I'll give it a zero because I can't recommend it because of that. Because of the most promoted match of it bear in mind it's not the title match it's a number one contenders match which says how much faith they have in their champion the fact that you know it's the number one contenders match that all the focus is put on and can and when we, i think the last time more focus put on the number one contendership match than the one with the champion it was probably bad blood 1997 um but yeah no there's no way i could recommend this to anyone um because in one of, in the most promoted match on the show, they take a shit on the on on anyone who invested any time and money in in having in watching it. And the fact, and the only thing more insulting is the fact on the Thunder and Nitro after they were promoting the replay. It's like who? It's like it's like they don't want anyone to watch. I'm um I mean I can see why. Turner want to get rid of this because it's an embarrassment. I mean, even even to those watching, even to those who are still wrestling fans, for them to be able to for them to be able to watch, if you can watch this and think, oh yeah, that's fine. Well, bully for you, but <laughs> no, I can't recommend it on that one match alone. I mean, if a couple of the other matches in a vacuum i might be able to say oh yeah this one is good for these for these reasons but as i sh but the fact that they're a part of this show i can say no i i can't recommend you watch this um the, the only recommendation i have would be find every single tape of this in existence and burn it mm -hmm. uh, so yeah zero that's a good start eric <laughs> no don't burn it because then we can't learn from it um <laughs> I, no, I, I give this a, a, a 0.5 um, <laughs> because uh, zero, zeros zeros are special and, and zeros <laughs> are zeros are not something that should be handed out lightly or just be considered in the context of a bad show. And you know, a, a true zero show has to somehow function as a a way to reverse momentum of a company or a way to you know, you look back on you think, well, that was a real turning point in a really in a really bad way, and then you can examine the show. And here, I don't know that anybody's expecting anything from WCW at this point. So, what really is a zero if you're not expecting anything? So, um, Eric, can I, just, can I just ask you one thing? Okay, if you if you're racing at point five, does that mean that there is something on this show that you can recommend it for? Something you can point at and say, oh, well, this isn't that bad, just just out of interest. Yeah, I think you can look at the opening ladder match and think there are people who like spot fest matches. I think the the match with Shane Douglas versus Billy Kidman had more good momentum than bad. Um, 
and yeah, and so I think okay. and the, the main event title match was perfectly fine. Um, okay, and, that's, that's and, fine. Yeah. And so in the context of of the only other show that I've ever considered for a zero, and this would be number two or three, you know, November to November '98 just completely reversed all of ECW's momentum coming out of the best show of 1998, Heat Wave. Every booking decision on that match, myopically and as a whole, set the company back. And it's just to show that in the context of that period for ECW, where it was at its at its hottest, and we've seen it, it too start to slow down. And I'm wondering if you can't look back at that as the turning point for ECW as far as its upward momentum. Nobody's going to look back at this show and think this was the turning point for WCW. That turn happened a long time ago. I can't actually rate this show. I I want to give it a zero <laughs> or at best a 0.5 or possibly you could twist my arm. Someone's been doing a lot of that today. Use my arm for so many things um, to get to a one because there was, as Eric says, two or three decent enough matches on here. But I don't think I can assess this by the parameters that we have on any pay-per-view we have looked at over the previous seven years. I include Survivor Series 97 in that even. Maybe if I have to go back and do that again, and four and a half hours is quite long enough on that one, thank you. I might change my mind there. I gave up one or two, for the record, by the way. Uh, I've got to give this one an NA out of 10, because it doesn't apply. It's not applicable to pro. It, it probably was up until the penultimate match, and it was bumping along in the zeros and ones. And that's if it, if it was lucky. But I cannot give this anything other than an asterisk out of ten. It's it's it, it stopped, and I cannot make this point clear enough. It stopped being a pro wrestling show thirty minutes before the end. Walked out, shut the door behind him. That is what. Bill Goldberg's character did in a semi-main event. That's what Vince Russo did with the stroke of his poison pen. And you know what? After something like this, I feel like I want to join them. So I most certainly cannot, as Adam says, recommend anybody watches this pay-per-view for anything other than the most eldritch of morbid fascination. And me not marking it does at least mean it takes me out of the average. So the final average on your scores is a 0.25 out of 10. I'm not going to argue too much or too vociferously against that. But this this is not wrestling. It was barely wrestling before the semi-main event with the ludicrous stipulations and the head-ripping booking and the wrong people doing the wrong things at the wrong time. But there, the hammer came down in the last half an hour and I'm going to use the phrase again I'm not sure how we recover not applicable out of 10 you cheer Scott Steiner you cheer Kevin Nash you cheer me oh. absolutely everybody cheer Mr. Russo go ahead Tony see because what this is is this right here isn't family this is the He's right. Who's better? You tell me, Tony. Well, you got Booker T, the world heavyweight champion. I came here 11 months ago with a plan, and now the band is back together. Wow, are we seeing a reformation here? Is that what we're... I guess we are. Bill Goldberg, I gave you the easy way to get out of this. All you had to do was sign your release. 
but no. You want to do this the hard way? Well, now it's going to get New York ugly, pal. What does he mean by that, New York ugly? You'll find now out what he means by will, that. Show some respect for the chosen one. The fans love him. The chosen one. There is no denying he's been in the thick of it all. A moment to thank you for reminding all these slap asses that I am the chosen one and that I will be the man that always has all the stroke around this place. But if I may digress for a moment, I've got a question to ask each and every one of you. Take a look at these three athletes standing in the ring. Do you honestly think there's anyone in WCW, especially Goldberg, that can stop the three of us? With Benny Rue backing us? There's no way in hell. The fact is, it burns each and every one of you every damn day that Big Kev is back on the team. Our team. But I'm out here for another reason. Mike Awesome, you big drop of water, you big stinking turd, you cost me the title. He sure did. He screwed the chosen one. Cost him the, what's he talking about, the U.S. title and last week? we're in the mood for making matches tonight and making the rules, and since I've got all the stroke around this place, your ass is as good as mine at Fall Brawl. Wow, a challenge. It's just not going to be a match because I'm going to put you in a match that may be the only way to knock some sense into you, and that's a bunkhouse brawl. So choke on that, slap nut. Oh, Lordy. Steiner's got a mic. Goldberg! The message is clear to you and all you white trash out there. Nobody puts their hands on my freaks. So last week, I got my revenge, and it was sweet. And you found out that payback was a bitch. You see, the only difference between me and you is my days is good looking, but I can shave my ass and walk backwards and look better than your girlfriend. <laughs> That's a good one, huh, Tony? Uh, I don't. So last night on, Mike, on Nitro, when I left you beaten down, beaten up, you realized then and there that you're no match for the man with the largest arms in the world. You're no match for the genetic freak. And if you didn't realize it last Monday, I'll prove it to you tonight, next week, and if I'll blow off, you don't realize it, I'll kick your ass there too. What an ugly scene in the program a week ago with Goldberg handcuffed, having to watch his girlfriend in the clutches of that maniac Scott Steiner. All Steiner did was even the score for Medeja. Ugly scene. Here's your next world champ, Tony. Him and Booker, fall brawl. Nash, I can't wait. Nash has these fans too. Listen to him. A couple years ago, I decided to call myself Big Sexy. I probably should have deemed myself the Puppet Master. 
What does he mean by that? He pulls the string. Just listen. He'll tell you. You see, every couple of months I suck you people in so you buy my merchandise. It's still available, too. What's he getting at here? Now that it's all been bought and off the shelves, you get the real me. Whoa. Talking about Two-Face. I don't give a damn about any of you, and I never have. You can't get me title shots. You can't get me belts. You can't watch my back. But these guys can. They can and they will. And boy, will they ever. You're right, Mark. Look at the mastermind, would you? The only thing that matters to me... Oh, they were cheering him a minute ago. What hypocrites these losers are. Listen to him, Chad Goldberg. Is Goldberg the reason Russo orchestrated all of this, you think? Pretty good reason if it is. It's, it's been a... You can chant for Goldberg. You can chant for the champ, Booker T. But as you chant for the champ, Booker T, get it out of your systems, because in Buffalo, you're looking at the next world champion, folks. Yeah! You know it's going to be that way, Tony. At Fall Brawl in 20 wait a minute, days. Wait a minute, Kevin. Wait a minute. I hate to correct you, but you're wrong. What? He's, he's wrong? What? Whoa. Hear me out. You're not going to become the WCW world champion in Buffalo at Fall Brawl. No. I, I can't believe he said that, and neither can you. You're going to become the WCW champion right here tonight in this home. Wait. Booker T and Nash tonight? Is that what he's saying, Tony? Because tonight, it will be Kevin Nash. My Kevin Nash. Yes, Kevin. Boy, that said it all, didn't it? Here's Kevin Nash. Against Booker T. And to make sure there ain't no screw job, Mr. Jarrett, you will be the special guest referee on the oh, inside. Wait a minute. On the inside. And Mr. Steiner, you will be the guest enforcer on the outside. I like it. Oh, this is. Now, Booker, can you dig that? How can any man overcome those odds? Hey, three's company, and those three are pretty bad company, Tony. But here comes the champ. Give him credit. He's got guts. He's going to come out here and face the music. Booker, don't come to the ring. The Natural Born Dwellers are stationed right in front of you. All the guys in the ring, don't let your heart overcome common sense and good judgment. He's holding his ground. Look at this. Yo. Look at the odds. Listen up, Vince. I know this for a fact that I speak for everybody in this arena tonight. Would you please shut the hell up? That ingrate, that ingrate, Mr. Russo made him, Shivani. You know it. Booker T won the title in the ring, Mark. You were there. You know, everybody in that ring, they're talking about this. They're talking about that. And you know you can't back none of it up. Especially you, Big Sexy. 
Oh, boy. So I got a saying for each and every one of you guys in that ring. And it goes a little something like this. Save the drama for your mom. In unison with the world champ. Now the fact is this. I see four nothing happening player haters in the middle of that ring that's looking for a beatdown tonight. So guess what? Rousseau, you gonna get to make that decision which one of your boys get their ass whooped tonight. I tell you what, Booker, look. I'm not gonna stand in this ring and go back and forth, back and forth. I'm from New York. I'm a gentleman. You want to discuss what? this? You come in this ring and you discuss a it face-to-face, man-to-man. A gentleman? That's bring the least bring it. Oh, Mr. Russo. Out of my way, Let him through, guys. We've got one more thing to talk about, and it is, as you will have heard the build-up for it there, a world title change. Yes, the world title matters, everybody. Uh, for this one, I am actually going to give you the play-by-play, because... I've got to do at least one under duress, but I'll do it. So Booker T versus Kevin Nash, originally scheduled for four brawl. But we got it on the last Nitro because, of course, we did. And this is what went down after all you have just heard at the top of the Nitro. We've got Russo on commentary. We've got Jarrett as guest ref. We've got Steiner on the outside. Russo leaves the booth as soon as the bell rings. Brawl on the outside right from the off, and Jarrett actually counts both men. He throws Booker back in, though, before 10 and then sits Russo down. That doesn't work, though. Big power slam by Booker for a legitimate two count from Jarrett, but then Nash gets the boot and the charitable clothesline. Booker gives that an undeserved but probably pressured 360 courtesy sell. Only two. JJ is playing this down the middle. Book gets whipped into Steinem, so Jarrett tries to send him to the back and in doing so misses a Nash cover. Well, well. Russo is apoplectic and buries Jeff on commentary. Knees in the corner as a big Booker chant goes up. Oh, not that sodding elbow again. Stop that, please, Jeff. He doesn't. He does stop the choking boot at four, though. Sidekick by the book and then another. Axe kick is next and there's the spinner Rooney. He goes up top and executes the missile drop kick. Steiner gets nailed again and now the bookend and suddenly Jarrett decides not to count. Russo slips in the guitar and naturally it's Booker who eats it. Russo actually clears the debris out of the ring, which as Tony points out is utterly pointless. What's Jarrett doing now? Did Russo just slip out? Yes! 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 Oh, wait a minute! Yes! Yes! Yeah! It's a setup! It was a setup all along! The chosen one was on the right team all along! And Russo, what? Why is he brushing that out? The referee hit the one to hit him! Hey, hey! Hey! Right is right. You, you want to do stuff for appearance sometimes. Uh, Jeff Jarrett came through. Jeff Jarrett came through. But you know what? Booker's still not pinned. Until Booker's pinned, he's not beat. For he's the world champ. Three million households just saw this set up. got sucked right in like everyone else, Shivani. Sucked in. Nash was beat. Never will Jarrett cross his boy from New York. Never. Here it comes. Come on, Kevin. He's pulling the strap down. He's pulling the strap down. We are a family. We are family. Oh, please. Booker T didn't have him beat. Give me a break. This is almost anticlimactic. Yes! yes! Powerbomb oh. him straight to hell. Come on, Booker. Get us somehow. Get out of this. Oh, yeah! 
Cody Count Count One Two Yes 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 This is the champ Ben Sexy is back And the Cody Count represents Yes Would you stop screaming you flippin' This is an outrage Yo Scott He did it Down come the straps, down come the jackknife, and down go all of us, or at least we could if it was possible to sink any lower, as that poor cat proved it is not. Tony, I love shoot comments that are not meant to be shoot comments. This is one of the worst things to happen to the WCW title. Eric, once again, I'm giving you a Tony Schiavone lead in. Kevin Nash is champion again. And some might say that he is the champion four weeks ahead of schedule because for the next two weeks, Nitro is unopposed against Raw, leading to an artificial ratings increase, they hope, which he can, of course, pin on himself being the reason for that clever, clever code. When we go back in history, we're going to realize that Tony Schiavone was talking through his television to us (laughs) on on an empathic level. Um, he He really was as the commentator commuting to uh, communicating to us what we were supposed to be feeling in that moment. Um, so I think all the criticism of his uh, commentary skills is going to be reexamined at some point, because there are these moments where you realize that he is talking to you as an understanding viewer. He gets it. Um, I just see this as WCW tripping over its own feet again. Like they're never going to learn at this point. Like, yeah, you know, we, we, we gloat last month over Booker T, you know, them trying something new and let's make a new star. And he's a homegrown guy and yada, yada, yada. And then it's just Nash in like six weeks. Um, so uh, w- w- whatever, like I, w- why care about the belt? Why care about anybody getting any sort of momentum? Like, I don't know unless Booker, you know, Nash is not the type of guy that can make a guy by being the guy at the end of a chase, like it's never going to happen. So you got the belt on a guy who's not going to elevate Booker, even if they are to have Booker chase, which maybe, maybe works. I don't know, but like, why not just keep the belt on Booker for a while and go from there? Nothing else is working. And now you've returned to something that, you know, doesn't work. So good on you, WCW. I miss when people walked out of the matches and the commentators admitted pro wrestling was fake, you know, (laughs) If I had to choose between that and Kevin Nash actually winning the world, that's no, not quite that bad. Although it's very, very close, though. Adam, I'm wrapping up after this, probably for good. So make the most of your next few minutes here on this match. And indeed, the WCW title in general, which you have some stats for us on, I believe. Yes. Um, so the Thunder after this, Nash stated that he was a five-time champion. Now, looking at that, that means he is acknowledging... Um, I don't know if this was covered in the January edition of this episode. I can't I can't remember offhand. But there was an incident in January where Sid Vicious faced the Harris brothers in a no, faced Nash and one of the Harris brothers in a commercial break for the title. Um, but the other Harris brother ran in and that, Sid pinned him. Um, yes. and, and <laughs> the title was held up. And then Nash awarded it to himself, but then Sid then beat Nash for the title. So that means so they are counting that angle as ridiculous as it was. That means 
that Nash, that the title change on this episode of Nitro is the 20th title change this year, which is a it's it which is a sign of how creatively this year has been, because that is the 60th title change of the WCW Championship. So a third of their title changes have come this year. This year. Fucking Not, hell. Bear in mind, that's only 15 title reigns because there are also five five times the title was vacated this year. Um, which is worse, which is interesting because the title has only been vacated nine times. Sorry. So, uh, nine times. Sorry, I've, I've miscounted. It's 61 title changes that they've had so but yes it's still the 20th title change was uh when luger won it on that episode of nitro of hulk of uh, hollywood hogan just for just for perspective that that was only the 20th that was only the 20th that's including i think it had been vacated wow a couple of times up till then uh booker t actually um randomly enough uh up to up to this date is the has the 21st longest title reign um, in the history of WCW. <laughs> so he's nearly in the top 30, he held the belt for a month and a half. Yeah, 50 days. <sighs> uh, interesting, if, if, you, if you go back to the NWA, which is, of course, where the WCW title was spun off from, um, it's a lot harder because of, there are a lot of phantom title changes that's, that aren't recognised. But the NWA came about in 1948 when a group of promoters came together and decided to launch the NWA as as it was recognised up till 1991. And the 20th title reign, bearing in mind so that was uh, so that was July 1948. The 20th title change happened uh, in November 1979. <laughs> the 40th title change was the one that Ric Flair won. That spun off into the WCW title at no point had there ever been and that was a, that was a full lineage it had, ne- it had never been vacated um, on record up till that point um, so that really shows the creative direction that they are taking with their title this year and bearing in mind two of those vacate three times the title's been vacated three times the title was vacated before uh, the reset back in April. So most of, but only four title reigns happened up to that. Four, uh, Benoit, two, yeah, four, four of the fifteen title reigns happened before the reset. So that's uh, that's really not looking good for uh, for the cohe- cohesiveness of uh, of uh, WCW under. Under Russo, um, but moving away from the stats, uh, Nash on the on that Nitro said that the reason he had he had turned heel was because he was after the gold, which is I suppose a fair if we're treating this as as serious. I suppose is you know just regardless of of what we've been told prior to this, if, if we are treating it and playing it straight uh then yeah i suppose it is a fair reason for nash to turn heel is 
that he's chasing the gold if you ignore the fact his first reign and his most recent reign both ended with him giving up the belt both of those were in just over 18 we're in we're just over 18 months uh with january last year and i believe uh when when was he when did he vacate it to, to rick i don't um uh, end of may was that one yeah i believe uh, yes i believe that was one of the many title reigns that Bamble was complaining about. Yeah, so we're supposed to believe that Nash is chasing the gold that he has voluntarily given up twice. Most recently, just over four months ago. Logic again, logic again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I alluded to this earlier, but I... With Booker T as a WWE champion, I, I, I think he's a great talent. Um, I can certainly see why someone would want to go with with a Booker T as a champion, but you look at the way that they've done this thing. Like I said, he didn't beat any of the main players. He didn't beat a Hogan or a, or a Flair. I mean, he faced Sting and he faced and he beat Goldberg. But he only beat Goldberg after losing to Goldberg earlier that night. So he's not really been given his chance to prove himself as a main eventer. And here he is in a match against someone who I think is fair enough to consider. A top guy, regardless of what you feel about him, he he's a five-time champion here. He held the WWF title for over a year, or just under a year. So he is an established main eventer. And first time Booker goes against him, he loses. Granted, due to shenanigans, but it doesn't paint Booker as as you know the great champion. That the first time he goes up against someone who people honestly see as a main eventer, he he loses. Um, nothing, nothing against Jarrett. I, I, I like Jarrett, but every one of his main event wins has come as a result of help. Um, he's never been shown that he can hold him, his own as a, as a main eventer. So why the hell should, should it matter that Booker beat him twice? Um, I've, I mean, but at the end of the day, it's, what does it matter? Um, I fear we're so going to be Nash, coming back to that a lot. <laughs> so Nash is the champion, but it's all it's all the TV show. It's you know it's all the TV show that's prepared to tell you to your face that it's a TV show and it doesn't matter. So what difference does it make? Um, I can throw all the stats around I want, but as I should say, even a, a number cruncher like your good self, Adam, just made to feel like a fool. All that time you were fiddling around with Excel when you could have been out talking at the water cooler the next day, because that's what all of this is really about, isn't it? It's just about the words. It's not about the meaning. It's not about the feeling. It's not about the emotion. It's just about placating the supposed old guard who we have moved on from. And it is us being made to look foolish for ever caring about this sort of thing. You know what I think we should just do? We should just get back in the time machine now, go back to a place where they really do care about the fans. And we are back in August 2020. <laughs> I don't you saw what I did there. Oh, my goodness me. Um, I should say, just to say, as we're recording this, payback starts in an hour and a half time. Um, so, yeah, set your watches for 20 years to talk about that. Uh, Eric Lanstrom, thank you for joining me on this show. Um, there's nobody else I wanted to bury pro wrestling with other than your good self. <laughs> hey, we didn't bury it. We just talk about the burial. We, we we just we just carried it carried it that's all we did 
Mm-hmm. Just contextualize it for the loyal listener. <laughs> Just making me say carried 50 times. I lose all power, even outside of timeline. I use all power, lose all power of speech at the end. God, Russo, he's just insidious. Even now, we've left him behind in 2000. He's not a thing anymore. Stays away from Twitter. Eric, where can people find you? Anything to plug, my good friend? I just go to the show account at Wrestling20YRS on Twitter. If you're interested in anything I have to say about wrestling, it'll show up on there if it's interesting enough. So just, you know, check us out. Adam, take it. What can people find um, you? What have you got going on? Excel spreadsheet, possibly not included. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you can find me on the various socials. I'm on, uh, I'm the only 20YRS Twitter account that is both followed by Jim Cornette and blocked by Hulk Hogan. You can find me at, at el underscore j. Um, yeah, Jim retweeted me again, so I've probably got about 200 <laughs> people who are aware of my existence who've never no, heard of me before. Maybe point Jim Cornette in the direction of this show when it goes out. I think he might find a bit of it to his liking. Well, probably not, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've got I've a rocky relationship with Jim. I feel if I, if I yeah, have to make him listen to too much Jim Russo, he may block me again. Um, yeah, you can also... Um, I also occasionally appear on um, the Mindfart podcast. I mean, I've not, it's been a few months since I've actually written a piece for that. I think they're on about episode 155 or something now. The last one I did, I think, was 132. But if you want to listen to my view on wrestling and unions, um, I did a piece for them. Um, I believe it was 132. I don't have my book in front of me. it was certainly interesting because I wrote it at the start of the pandemic um, with the intention of following it up when wrestling started again, because I was under the impression that, you know, WrestleMania was probably going to disappear for a while. Um, yeah, I know. I've, I know what you're thinking. I, I did forget that Vince McMahon is a total maniac. Um, but, yeah, if you want to listen to my view on, on attempts at wrestlers and, and unions and I go into... I actually cover the Stand Up to Vince campaign from here in the UK in 2011, I believe it was. Ah, um, yes, yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, so I, I go into that because I was actually, because like I said, I was going to follow it up with an interview with Dave Bradshaw when wrestling came back. But wrestling never went away. So, um, <laughs> yeah, tra- track that episode down if, you, if you're interested in, in my musings. Um, if you want to hear me not talk about wrestling or politics or just being funny um you can find me on facebook at el uh, el.j.comedy where i talk where i post all my uh upcoming stand-up comedy gigs um and as we are still fighting this pandemic most of them are on zoom so you don't even have to leave the house to do it hey i am too good to you people so um yeah Far too, far, far too good. Far too good. Talking about WCW for the last two and a half hours. Uh, suffice to say, just to wrap up on this one, because I just want to go to bed, <laughs> sleep it all off. Uh, we do have two shows for you this month of the normal variety, ECW and the WWF. We do have two special shows that I have made available, which were originally recorded for our Patreon account, lest we forget. Uh, we have Chris Lacey, Chris White and Dan Welling live watching the NXT TakeOver London from December 2015 that they recorded a couple of years back. And shortly before WrestleMania 35, uh, Lacey again with Dan, 
and this time Bob Colling, talked about some of their favourite WrestleManias, WrestleMania moments, TM, WrestleMania matches. Eric came in with some of his too and caused a little bit of controversy, as he does. But, you know, I like the Owen Hart and the Yokozuna versus Smoking Guns match from WrestleMania 11 anyway as well. So what do they know? But do check those out. We will have a third special show coming up for you in the next couple of weeks. Uh, keep it peeled. I would say Check the Twitter account for what that's going to be. A couple of ideas in the hopper, but we will, of course, let you know as soon as it is available. Thank you very much for listening to all of this one, if you have. I know not the easiest listen. I know Eric and I were discussing this just before we started off air, that the way that we handle these shows, and we do break them down, we, lo- we do look at them minutiae, we do go play-by-play play very closely, etc. unlike certain other excellent podcasts that are out there, We tend to come at these things from a news reporting slash journalism bent, said he loftily. So if what is presented to us is bad, the onus is really on us to try to make that bad presentation as positive as possible for the listener. Not always easy. When I listen back to the show, I will see how successful or not we were. But if you have stuck it out to the end, thank you very much for listening to this and for all the shows you have. If this is your first one, might not be your last, but this or any show you have listened to over the last seven years, we want to say thank you. From the very bottom of my pancreas, yes, I watched the Mick Foley DVD earlier. That's where that one came from. Um, it's a lot of work, these shows, a lot of time and effort goes into it. A lot of watching a night show and thunder goes in. Thankfully, only seven more months of that to go, but we think it's worth it. We do enjoy doing these shows. It might not sound like it sometimes, but we do. And we hope you stick with us in perpetuity. But all I remains for me now, is, see, can't talk. Vince Russo's fault. Adam Joyce, thank you very much. Eric Landstrom, thank you very much. I have been Rory McNamara. And can somebody please let me out of these damn leg irons? Anybody? He's a yes. punching machine! I thought the great mother's tooth just came out wait of his mouth. Wait a minute, here comes, they've got baseball bats! Three count to the rescue! And th- wait a oh, minute! look at this! What? Tony, I told you earlier, I told you earlier, it's the same thing that happened to David Ruffin in 1966. They kicked him out of the group, that's what happens. Yeah, but they didn't nail him with baseball bats, did they? Now, how do we know that? never used baseball now, bats. How do we know that, Tony? Hey, 